All right, we're going to go ahead and get started. First of all, I want to welcome everybody and uh, thank you for taking the time out of your afternoon to come and listen to the candidates, have an opportunity to ask them questions and educate yourself on, on the candidates before you have to make a decision on March 5th. Um, I also want to thank KBLG, KBUC Radio, they're here broadcasting on the radio live. Also, um, the Fayette County Record is here. They're going to post the, this on their Facebook page. Also, best of all, William Burson is making a high-definition video of this forum, and it will be posted on our uh, fcrptx.org website this afternoon. So you'll be able to go to our website and see a real quality um, video of this candidate forum. I, I really appreciate William doing that for us. Okay, I want to quickly recognize any non-candidate or unopposed candidates, uh, elected officials in the room. Are there any out there? Sheriff, pay attention. <laughs> All right, Sheriff Karenik is here. Um, Peggy Subak is here. Anybody else? Oh, our SD18 committee woman, Cheryl Thompson Draper, is here. I can't see that far. Drew Rossman is here. Oh, yeah, Billy Wrench is here. He is serving as our uh, security today. So thank you all for attending. We also have some of our precinct chairs here, and I appreciate that too. So, let's see what else we need. Uh, housekeeping, restrooms are on this side. Uh, as you walk out that door, the Fay County Republican Party has provided snacks and, and waters, or if you want something a little bit stronger, then the KC Hall is selling libations. <laughs> so, just so you know. Uh, all right, let's get started. If you'll please stand for the invocation. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us safely together today and allowing this gathering, Lord. You have blessed us with the freedom to share opinions and participate in the political process in our county and beyond. Father, we see too much political corruption and greed at all levels of our government. Help us to open our hearts and minds to the information we will hear today. Please guide us to use, to base our upcoming decisions and on those who are seeking election to be true public servants and not those wanting only personal gain, be it monetary or otherwise. Let us choose those who want to make Fayette County a better place to live with their hard work, honesty, and integrity. Finally, dear Lord, see us all home safely today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, now we will do the pledges to the flag, starting with the American flag. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And the Texas flag, honor the Texas flag, I pledge allegiance to thee, Texas, 
one state under God, one and indivisible. Thank you. Okay, um, the way this afternoon is going to go, we're going to start out with the two constable races, both for Precinct 3 and Precinct 4. Um, Precinct 3 is Jason Strickland and TJ. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Precinct 3 is Robert Chambers and Daryl Mays. And Precinct 4, thank you, <laughs> is Jason Strickland and TJ McClinney. So I want all four of the candidates for those two races to come up to the stage, please. Robert's not here? Is Robert here? Robert Chambers? Snooze, you lose. Okay. So, Stephen, do we want to move um, Daryl over here? So, is that okay, William? It doesn't matter. Okay. So, all right, right now I'm going to turn it over to the moderator. Uh, Dennis Giesemann is our moderator. Um, his assistant, Stephen Harker, who is our precinct chair for Cistern Muldoon. We also have our timekeepers up here, Cindy Wingo, and her assistant, Catherine Giesemann. Catherine is our precinct chair for Flatonia. Cindy is our precinct chair for Schulenburg. And again, I appreciate all the help I've got to get this thing going. So I'm going to turn it over to Dennis, and he's going to explain the rules. Okay, I'm on, David. Thanks for uh, coming to the Fayette County Republican Party Candidate Forum. And to uh, start off with, uh, I'll go through the rules, and these rules will apply to uh, everyone uh, taking this stage today, so uh, keep that in mind. Okay, first of all, candidates should silence all electronic devices when seated for questions. Second, candidates are to focus on their, their responses on their own experience and qualifications for the office they are seeking. Candidates should listen carefully to the questions and answer them completely. They may ask the moderator to repeat the question if needed. Candidates should only respond to the questions asked. If they go off topic, moderators may stop them and move on to the next candidate. Candidates must not disparage other candidates. If a candidate makes disparaging remarks about another candidate, they will be removed from the candidate tables for the remainder of the forum. Each candidate must pay attention to timekeeper cards. Right here, on my left, there you go. Three minutes for opening remarks in ballot order. One and a half minutes for responses, time per prepared question. And then when we go to the phase where we take questions from the audience, there'll be allowed one minute response per audience question. And then finally, two minutes for our closing remarks. All candidates will be given the opportunity to answer each question. Questions will be repeated for each candidate before their response. The initial question will be addressed to the candidates in ballot order, and then they'll cycle through. And each subsequent question will initially be directed to the next candidate in ballot order so that every candidate will have a question directed to them first. 
All right, we all set? Okay. <clears throat> so we'll start with uh, Daryl Mays, go to Tammy T.J. McClenney, and then Jason Strickland. First question for Daryl Mays. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay, we got uh, three minutes for opening remarks. Daryl. I'd just like to say hello to everyone. My name is Daryl Mays. Uh, I'm running for the Precinct 3 Constable's Office. I've been in law enforcement for over 12 years. Uh, have served here at Fayette County Sheriff's Office for five years as a deputy. Started out at Hayes County as a deputy. Um, have a wife, 14-year-old daughter, nine-year-old son. Uh, we live over in Hosting. Uh, both kids go to LaGrange. And I'm wanting to get back out, serve the community. Uh, uh, was an Army veteran and served my country that way. Served out in law enforcement. I love helping the community. Been, been out of it for a little bit. Want to get back in and serve, get out, help the community. Because I know how busy the deputies are out on the street. And constables can most definitely help in any way, shape, or form to get out there and enforce laws run traffic on the back roads, you know, do anything and everything we can, especially with uh, the, the higher intensity of crime and stuff that we're having coming across our borders to just help protect the community and voters of Fayette County. Okay. All right, if there is anyone here to read an opening statement for Robert Chambers, you can come forward at this time. If not, we'll go on to opening statement from uh, Tammy T.J. McClenney. Thank you all for coming. My name is Tammy Jo McClenney. Most people know me as TJ Mack. I got that nickname when I worked for Sheriff Krennic at the Sheriff's Office and it kind of just stuck. Um, I have been a police officer for 31 years. I started out at the Austin Police Department, was there quite a few years, promoted to detective. I was also an academy instructor there. Um, worked at the Belton Police Department for five years, uh, then came to the Sheriff's Office here in Fayette County. Worked there for three years. I currently work for the Moulton Police Department as a reserve, uh, pretty much in charge of community projects and community uh, coordination. I am running for constable because I believe that it's a perfect job for me. I believe that with this position, uh, because you're not call driven, you're not uh, responding to 911 calls on an, on an average day, you have time to work community projects, which is where my heart is. Uh, at the Belton Police Department, I started and ran the RUOK program, which is an elderly care calling program, where we had volunteers assembled uh, to call elderly participants that lived in Belton that lived alone. So we were pretty much their only lifeline. Uh, we would call and check on them every day, and in that program, uh, we ended up, while I was there, saving seven people. Uh, either they had fallen, couldn't get up, they had had a diabetic issue, whatever it was. Uh, we, when they didn't answer their phone call, we would send an officer to check on them and those officers were able to save their lives. So that type of project is very important to me um, and I feel like I can do that along with my constable duties because of the fact that we're not 911 call driven in this law enforcement job. Uh, I currently live in High Hill with my husband. He's back there in the blue shirt with the silver hair. You can't miss him. Um, and uh, we've been married 20 years. Uh, I have a daughter that goes to A&M. She's in the Corps of Cadets on a military scholarship. 
And so um, I'm asking uh, for your vote. I feel like I, I have a big heart. I'm a servant leader. Um, I have a very strong work ethic. Most people know me, know I'm like the Energizer Bunny. I do not stop. And so uh, I feel like I could bring a lot to uh, my precinct and precinct four uh, and ask for your vote. And I appreciate y'all coming. Okay, Jason. Okay, good, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, uh, my name is Jason Strickland. I am the incumbent in this race. I am married to my lovely wife, Janice. Would you please stand? <laughs> She's gonna hate me for that. But. Uh, we are members of the St. Rose Catholic Church. Uh, we have two uh, adult children who have blessed us with six adorable grandchildren. So uh, I'm a lifelong resident of this county. I don't plan on leaving it, win or lose. Uh, uh, my family's uh, roots run deep in this county. I'm running for re-election to the office and I've held this office since 2001. Wow. First of all, I'd like to thank the voters who put me into office and have kept me in there for six terms. The majority of my adult life has uh, revolved around public service. In 1989, I enrolled in the Travis County Sheriff's Office Academy as a citizen without a sponsor and no job. After graduating the academy in September 89, I went to work for the city of LaGrange as a rookie patroller. Uh, I worked there a year and three months and the chief of police, the late Lee Hoffman Jr. contacted me to come work for Schulenburg PD and run their canine unit. And that's what I did. I worked in Schulenburg PD for 10 years and then I got tired of being a police officer. So I went to work, I made a lateral move to the water department, and, uh, but I still was a part-time reserve for Schulenburg PD. And then I wanted to become a police officer again. So in 2001, I um, ran against a 28-year incumbent and, and, and won, won the election. So pretty, pretty good accomplishment, I think. Uh, and here I am. Uh, so like I said, uh, my, fam my family's roots run deep here, and uh, I don't plan on leaving this county. My whole life is whether you call providing citizens of Schulenburg with public drinking water, that's what I do. So my whole life also is, is involved in, revolved around public service. And uh, I'm a 36 year member of the fire department, still in the fire department, proud organization, was past president and uh, vice president now. And uh, I think we've got a good thing going there and I don't plan on leaving there either. Thank you all for your time. Okay, at this time we'll go into the questions and reminder you have one and a half minute time to respond to each question. And uh, uh, we'll go ahead and start in uh, ballot order with the, uh, the next first questioner. Um, for, so for Tammy, I'll give you this question. Describe the duties and responsibilities of a constable and which in your opinion are the most important. Well, they're a full service law enforcement officer, first of all. Uh, they have every authority that any police officer deputy um, has. Uh, they serve civil papers, they bailiff the courts. Um, they're there you know, to service the JP office. 
but more so, I think they should be out in the public and be visible and help you know, assist other agencies do what they can to be involved in the community. I feel that the constable's office is, is more of a community relations position because it's a civil servant position. Um, I, and that's why I was kind of explaining earlier, I find that that is a perfect job for me because um, it does allow you the time to be out in the community and be able to do uh, other things besides just serve papers and bail up the court. For, for me, um, I'm a full, well-rounded law enforcement officer. I can run traffic, I can make traffic stops, I can make arrests, I can find dope, I can find guns, I can you know, do all that. I've done that my whole adult life. Um, but I think for me now at my age, especially um, serving the community and community projects, I wrote a grant for my current department that I work for that just, uh, it, the grant enabled us to get a new patrol truck, which we desperately needed. Um, I wrote that two months ago and we just got awarded that grant last month. So I see myself writing grants and doing things that I can do in order to bring uh, stuff to the precinct and to the county. All right, same question for uh, Jason. Describe the duties and responsibilities of a constable and which, in your opinion, are the most Im important? Well, like TJ said, uh, we're out serving civil papers. Uh, constables were the first forms of law enforcement established in uh, March of 1823. Uh, and uh, the duties are being a bailiff for the JP, the local JP, serving writs. And uh, the majority of things I serve are, are evictions in this county and small claims debts. So uh, that's that's kind of what we do. I do not work traffic out of my agency. The uh, commissioners uh, under Joe Weber, the commissioners uh, allowed us to have a stipend put in our budget of I think it's $5,000 if we work traffic. I do I do not do that. Uh, when I, when I uh, and now if you're gonna run a stop sign right in front of me, I'm gonna pull you over. <laughs> uh, and we're not, you're not going to be happy, but uh, as far as racial profiling and all that, I, I file exempt, and I think several, uh, one other constable does as well. So, that's Okay. For uh, Daryl, same question. Describe the duties and responsibilities of a constable, and which, in your opinion, are the most important? Yes, sir. Uh, just as these two uh, lovely candidates have said, it's... Uh, all around function the same thing as a deputy, Schulenberg PD, LaGrange PD. Uh, they can do all things. Uh, they have the right to you know get out there and run traffic. And uh, I believe that as a constable, you should get out there and help try to alleviate on some of these backcountry roads and stuff uh, where deputies you know can because as the experience of being a deputy out on the street where we would get a complaint uh, for a certain county road and speeders coming up and down the road. And you get over there just the time you start trying to sit up and start running traffic, you get a 911 call or dispatch to, you know, a loose livestock call. You need to get out and you need to do those type of things and help to ensure the safety of our voters, uh, the community, and, you know, pull people over and get out, talk with people and be seen out in the public assisting in any way and every way that you possibly can to, to help the safety of our community. Okay, next question will go to uh, Jason first on this one. Explain how your personal background, education, work experience, and work experience and or licenses will make you the best candidate for constable. Well, uh, 
as a peace officer, you're, I've got my basic, intermediate, advanced, and master peace officer. That's the highest level you can go. I've attained that through my years of service. I'm a 34-year commissioned officer. Uh, I have 1,534 hours of training through TECO. Uh, just that, that experience there will help me. Um, I'm a 36-year member of the fire department. I know a lot of people in this community. A lot of people know me. And uh, uh, it's just the experience in the fire department as well as working for the city. I, I pay attention to people who move in here and move out because it, it helps me in my job to, to locate people. It's not that I'm being nosy, but I do pay attention. I do pay attention to people who move in here and move out because I need to know where to find them. So I, I, uh, it's a, I've got quite a bit of experience. Okay. Daryl, same question. Explain how your personal background, education, and work experience and or licenses will make you the best candidate for constable. Yes, sir. Um, as well, I have a Master Peace Officer license. Um, I've served, uh, like I said, in uh, my country and the Army, uh, Army veteran. So I started out serving that way first, and then uh, once I came back to Texas and started getting into law enforcement, forced, uh, first started working out at in TDC in the corrections office and uh, the prison system, and then uh, went out and started uh, getting into law enforcement and being a deputy out on the street. Uh, with the different calls uh, that I've experienced in my years of service, uh, it makes me a well-rounded um, you know, uh, servant because I understand that, you know, first and foremost, we're to be a servant of God. And so with this, you have to have a special calling on your heart and I have that special calling on my heart to want to serve not only him, but to serve my community and to protect them as well. And, and so I think well, with all of that, you know, my background, uh, years in service of Hayes County, uh, Depp and Fayette County, you know, anything and everything as a whole, as a family man, uh, a husband, a dad, you know, you take it all into aspects and treat people just like you would want to be treated when you're you know, dealing with people out there on the street. Uh, so you take all of it and you put it into your hat and go out and do the job. Okay, same question for uh, Tammy McClenney. Explain how your personal background, education, and work experience and or licenses will make you the best candidate for constable. I've been a police officer for 31 years. I went through the Travis County Sheriff's Office Academy first. I was class president and valedictorian at that academy. I ended that academy and graduated there December 1992, started in January 1993 in the Austin Police Department Academy. At the Austin Police Department, I was promoted to detective after working many years on the streets. I was also an academy instructor. Uh, at the Austin Police Department, I worked pretty much every major uh, unit that there was, drugs, gangs, vice. Um, I was an arrest review detective. I have a vast amount of experience with big city crime. Uh, that being said, I'm a country girl. I never had never had envisioned myself being a, a country cop until I was lucky enough to work for Sheriff Krennic and I loved every minute of it there at that sheriff's office. Um, I've been a country girl my whole life. Um, at the Belton Police Department, I was the first ever in the history there to be a female firearms instructor. The chief had enough faith in me that he sent me to firearms instructor school, which that is just unheard of for females to go there. Um, 
out of 5,000 and something uh, firearms instructors in the state of Texas for law enforcement, there's only about 140 females and I'm blessed to be one of those. Uh, so I think I bring uh, a well-rounded uh, amount of experience to this office, but most of all, I bring my heart. I, I love the community projects and um, I think with my background in, in law enforcement and my, my community service desire, that's all right. <laughs> so that, that's my answer. Okay, go to the next question, starting with uh, Daryl. Do you intend to work part-time or full-time and will, have, will you have any jobs on the side? If so, how will it affect your ability to perform the duties of the office? Uh, no, sir. For one, the constable position is a part-time position. It's not a full-time position at Fayette County. Um, I don't have any other uh, jobs um, besides uh, the full-time job of being a dad, getting up and taking my kids to school, picking them up uh, and, and dealing with them. But no, um, when I would take them, do that, and then go out and hit the streets, start you know being seen, uh, doing whatever and whenever, however, that the Precinct 3, anywhere and everywhere in it that would need me and would need to be seen uh, out in the community serving, protecting, and getting out, meeting the folks, because uh, there are so many that I've spoken with over there that, you know, uh, they didn't even know what a constable was, and I had to explain it to them. They didn't realize that it was a, an office that they voted for, what they did, or anything. So, you know, it needs to be brought out into the public and, and be uh, seen and be more proactive. Okay, same question for uh, Tammy McClenney. Do you intend to work part-time or full-time, and will you have any jobs on the side? If so, how will it affect your ability to, per to perform your duties of the office? Well, like Daryl said, it is a, currently a part-time position. I would like to turn it into a full-time position, and I think with hard work and dedication, you can do that. I think the amount of work that's put into the job is reflected, and I think if you're, you're making a, you know arrest or you're doing things that bring writing citations, bringing revenue into your, your precinct in your county, you could definitely justify these becoming full-time positions. Uh, most of the counties around us, Lee County, Bastrop County, all the constables positions are all full-time. We are the only county that I know of that are part-time positions. So I have a full-time work ethic. I, I don't do anything part-time. You can ask anybody that knows me. I have lots of things I do. I run a ranch with 150 head of livestock on it. Um, I work as a reserve in Moulton. Um, he has asked me to be able to stay, which means if I got elected, uh, he wants me to dual commission so I could be there as a reserve. He understands the requirements I would have as constable, and that would absolutely come first. Um, but like I said, I don't, I don't do anything part-time. Even if it's really a part-time paid position, I would be there full-time. Okay, same question for uh, Jason Strickland. Do you intend to work part-time or full-time, and will you have any jobs on the side? If so, how will it affect your ability to perform the duties of the office? Well, it, uh, it definitely is a part-time position with the pay uh, uh, being what it is. Uh, Fayette County was like the second lowest in the state of Texas on that. Uh, uh, I do have a full-time job. Uh, I've worked for a water plant operator for the city of Schulenburg, but I don't know for how long. So if I retire, I will see that it it is my responsibility to be the full-time constable. Okay. And it, it, it has not affected my job as bailiff. The city has been good to let me go to court cases. And uh, so it, it has not affected my job. Right now, I have a full-time job, and so I consider this a part-time job. Okay. 
Next question goes to uh, Tammy first. What changes would you recommend that would potentially improve the functionality of the county constable position? Well, I'd have to get in there first and figure out what's working, what's not. Um, I'm a very proactive person, but I'm also a problem solver. So uh, to say I would make changes, I, I haven't done the job to know what needs to be changed. But like I stated earlier, uh, I think they absolutely need to be full-time positions. Um, and that would be something that I would work on. Uh, I think that if you are putting enough work out there, you're bringing revenue in, uh, you, sh you should and could have deputies. I don't know, I mean, we're kind of one of the only counties that doesn't have deputy constables. So I have a lot of, uh, I, my, my vision for the office is to grow it and to make it more than just, hey, I'm out here serving papers, because that's not what I'm about. I'll do my job, I'll you know serve papers, I'll bathe of court, I'll be out there enforcing traffic, I'm gonna be backing up these officers, these deputies in the county. Uh, I will be a full service uh, constable, but I, I don't know what I would change because I, I haven't been there yet. But I, I promise you there's probably some things I would change. Okay, same question now for Jason. What changes would you recommend that would potentially improve the functionality of the county constable position? I don't know that I'd make any changes. I, I do definitely want to make sure that the constable position remains in an active part of law enforcement in Fayette County. Uh, in many West Texas counties, they, they took away the constable. They abolished it, West Texas counties. Uh, we don't want that to happen here in Fayette County because I think we're an asset to the Sheriff's Department. Uh, we serve papers that if there wasn't a constable, they would have to serve a local constable. So it's definitely an asset. Uh, the things that I may change if I become the full-time constable, as I said I would, is uh, increased presence at our school campuses, both public and private. I think that's a very important issue. So uh, I would like to help out in that way. Okay. Same question for Darrell. What changes would you recommend that would potentially improve the functionality of the county constable position? Well, there again, I'd have to get elected <laughs> to the position. Uh, but I think one is being more proactive uh, from just from what I've heard and what I've seen while I'm going around speaking with the, uh, the public over and uh, all over Precinct 3. Uh, some have never even seen a constable vehicle out, you know, patrolling the streets. They've never met the constable. They didn't know who the constable was. Uh, I think it needs to be more proactive. You need to be out, you need to be seen, uh, because when I was out on uh, patrol with, from Fayette County Sheriff's Office, I had the two northern deputies, uh, uh, I mean, two northern constables for precinct one and two, multiple times pull up and back me up on a, uh, on a traffic stop out on the side of the road, and I'd do the same for them. So I think there needs to be more of that, you know, down here in the south end as well. Mm -hmm getting out and being seen and patrolling. And, you know, you can't be everywhere at all times, but, you know, when you're at least driving through and they're seeing that vehicle, then it will help to, you know, to deter uh, any crime from coming, and at least for the moment anyway. Okay, next question, starting with Jason. Do you intend to participate in traffic enforcement and courthouse security? Please explain why or why not. Uh, at this time, having a full-time job, I cannot do uh, the courtroom security at the courthouse. I do it for the local JP, 
I do not work traffic right now, but that may change in the future uh, when I become full-time, should I get reelected. Okay. I'll move over to Daryl. Do you intend to participate in traffic enforcement and courthouse security? Please explain why or why not. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, to both of them. Uh, it needs to be done at the courthouse to, to help protect uh, our judges, our attorneys, you know, uh, all the staff that's in there uh, with, you know, you have courthouse shootings, you have school shootings, you have, you know, uh, we need as much as we can of uh, security in there to help. And we also need, you know, the assistance of out on the, all of our uh, back roads for, for Fayette County. It's a large county. There are many back roads and the deputies can't, you know, cover them all. The, the sheriff's deputies can't because they're also answering 911 calls and just regular calls for service. So, you know, you need to get out and be more proactive and you need to be up in the courthouse being seen, you know, as well and helping protect in all aspects of serving this, this great community. Okay, same question for Tammy. Do you intend to participate in traffic enforcement and courthouse security? Please explain why or why not. I was asked that in the very beginning when I inquired about becoming constable because I wanted to know what the requirements would be for me when I ran for constable. Um, I told them at that time, I'm a full circle law enforcement officer. I can run traffic. Um, you know, with running traffic, you get a whole lot of different things. You, you get warrant arrest, you get dope arrest, you get guns off the streets. There's all kinds of things that come along with traffic. It's not just writing tickets to people speeding. So uh, for me, I feel like that that's very important. Uh, you know, just your presence out there, stopping the people that are blowing through our small towns, you know, from big cities, not slowing down for the speed limits. I think being available in the school zones to help these local officers out, uh, I think all that's very important. As far as court security, I did talk to the other two constables that work that full time, uh, Constable Wrench and Const Constable Wunderlich, uh, because I really wasn't sure what the arrangements were for that. Um, they pretty much do it full time. I would not have to do it for the money. Uh, so that would not be, and I don't mean that in a conceited way. I, my husband makes a very good living. I don't do this law enforcement job for the money. Um, I would definitely jump in and help them if they needed a day off. I already told them I'm a team player. If they need me to serve warrants for them, uh, papers for them, whatever. If they need me to fill in at court, I will. Uh, I'm a team player, but I feel like both of them are very important and I'll do whatever it takes to, to make it happen. Okay, thanks. How are we doing, Kimberly? Okay. All right. The next question, uh, starting with Daryl. How would you handle a situation where you had to enforce a law that you personally disagree with or you believe is unconstitutional? Well, for one, there's going to be uh, no... I don't see how it could be unconstitutional if, if it's a law. Uh, so if you're enforcing it, well, then it had to be constitutional to begin with. Uh, but if I don't agree with it, it doesn't matter. If I'm putting on the badge and the gun and I'm out to do the job, well, then uh, if it says you shall arrest uh, per penal code, then you shall arrest. Uh, but if it doesn't, if it's at your discretion, then you handle the call uh, the situation that you're standing in accordingly. You know, you don't always have to write a ticket. You don't always have to slap cuffs on somebody. But, you know, because uh, that's not the main goal of being law enforcement. Law enforcement is to serve and protect. And sometimes by slapping cuffs on somebody and just, you know, or slapping them with a ticket when, you know, it's a, 
a single mom and she's, you know, crying in front of you or whatever, you know, and she's in struggling to get by. Well, you know, sometimes show a little heart and, you know, just give a warning and let it move on. But, you know, it's, you, you have to have common sense and you have to take each situation differently. For Tammy, how would you handle a situation where you had to enforce a law that you personally disagree with or you believe it's unconstitutional? Well, like Daryl said, we our feelings don't matter typically when it comes to the law. Um, we do have a certain amount of discretion on some things, but I think it boils down to having common sense and good judgment and experience. Uh, a lot of times you can fix things a lot better with just a little bit of thought versus just slapping some cuffs on somebody and putting them in jail. Um, so I just I just feel like the, the the key to it is just having the experience out there. Uh, I I don't know of something that would be unconstitutional that I would have to enforce at this point. Maybe that's down the road. I don't know. Um, but at this point, I've never really had that happen in my experience. Now, are there things that I don't necessarily agree with? Yes. But like Daryl said, we, when we put that badge and gun on, we take that oath, oath of office, we, we do our jobs. And uh, it might not make everybody happy, but we, we do our jobs. If you're fortunate to work for somebody, a uh, great sheriff or commissioner or whoever that you're reporting to, um, you have a relationship with them where they let you do your job, um, until you screw it up. <laughs> and then when you screw it up, they come talk to you. So um, I'm fortunate that I haven't really ever had that happen. Uh, so I think just, you know, just having some, a, a big heart and common sense gets you a long way. Okay, same question for uh, Jason. How would you handle a situation where you had to enforce a law that you personally disagree with or you believe is un unconstitutional? Well, I've had to, uh, the unfortunate problem of putting people out of their house and I, I foreclosed on a classmate uh, that lost his house. I didn't agree with it, but it happened. You have to have thick skin in this industry. I would more than likely lean on the county attorney's office for advice if I came across that situation instead of acting and acting in error. So I would definitely lean on the county attorney's office. Okay. We'll press on to the next question, starting with Tammy. How would you handle a situation where you had to arrest a friend or family member? You kind of already hit that. <laughs> well, I'm fortunate enough to not have ever been put in that position because they'd probably be in more in trouble with me than they would going to jail. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm still going to do my job. Uh, I'm pretty hard on my family. I'm, you know, that's why my daughter's on a full military scholarship in the Corps Cadets at Texas A&M. You know, I'm, I'm the whipcracker of the family. He's the cuddler. Uh, so, you know, I'm pretty sure that if, if it's something I'm going to put somebody in jail for, somebody else, then they're going to jail too. You know, people have consequences for their actions. But if I have some leeway in, in other people, I might have some leeway with them. But, you know, in my job, I've always had a supervisor. So when there's a question, you want to take the heat off yourself, you call your boss and then put the heat on them. So, I, but honestly, I've never really had that happen, but I'm just going to tell you I do my job. I, I take the, the law seriously, um, you know, because it ends up coming back on you if you don't do what you're supposed to do. And so um, I've never really had that happen, but I think I would probably, they'd probably go to jail. Okay. Jason kind of already answered this last time, but I'll read the question again. How would you handle a situation where you had to arrest a friend or family member? 
that, like I said, I've, I've put people out that I've known all my life, and uh, it's it's a very hard thing to do. But uh, when the when the writ says you must do it, that's what you must do. So, uh, and it's it's a difficult situation. I you know it's I struggled with it, but uh, uh, the guy understood. He lost his his home to foreclosure. So, wow. Okay. Daryl, same question. How would you handle a situation where you had to arrest a friend or family member? Um, well, unfortunately, I've, I've been there when I was a deputy out on the street uh, for here. Uh, wasn't, thank goodness, it wasn't a family member. Um, it was a friend, somebody that you know, I'd known in the community, but it was a deal where they, they broke the law and there was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You know, it, was, it wasn't one where you could just let it go. It was like... You know, I'm sorry, um, hate to do this to you, but you know what? Turn around and click, click. You got, you're gonna take a ride. You know, it's like that. my hands are tied. It's like I got to do my job. And, and so when it comes to that, it's if you're put in that situation, it's like I didn't put myself in that situation. You put yourself in that situation, and now you know don't don't try getting mad at me when you're breaking the law. And, and you're putting me in a situation to arrest you, well, uh, if I have no other choice, then you're, you're gonna take a ride. Okay, next question, starting with Jason. Can you describe a situation where you had to make a quick decision under pressure? Uh, can't think of one right quick. But <laughs> uh, it's pressure now. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm at a loss right here. But. Uh, I can't think of anything. Okay, if uh, we'll go ahead and move on then to uh, Daryl. Can you describe a situation where you had to make a quick decision under pressure? Yes, sir. Uh, sure can. Um, and it was an unfortunate one. Uh, it's been several years ago now, uh, but I can still see it like it was yesterday. We had gotten into a pursuit uh, coming out of LaGrange, helping the LaGrange PD, and uh, uh, turned into a full-blown pursuit, went all the way over into Bastrop County. And finally, we got the guy's tires blown out and went and jump out, guns drawn, and start screaming commands. And then at that moment, I see that he has a gun underneath his chin. And, it, and from then, it goes from hollering and screaming commands to trying to talk him down. And then I'm at the back of my patrol car for, uh, I don't know, it seemed like forever. It was probably like two hours or so, giving commands, trying to talk this, this young gentleman down. And at that moment, uh, after about two hours or so, he finally took off and took off running towards the house. And we knew that there were obviously people that lived there, kids' toys out front and everything. And it was an unfortunate circumstance, but at that moment, I had to pull the trigger. And, to help preserve, you know, preserve and uh, protect the life of innocent people because he had chose to put himself in that position. Yeah. All right, for uh, Tammy, can you describe a situation where you had to make a quick decision under pressure? So when I worked at the sheriff's office, I came in contact with a guy out on a suspicious person call in Fayetteville. Um, I got out there, I could tell by looking at him with my experience that he uh, was a former prison person. Um, he was not happy to see me. He slammed his hands down on the hood of the car. Um, he was six foot eight and 375 pounds. Uh, I had no backup. I was out there by myself. Um, got through that call, figured out who he was. Um, turns out he has spent most of his adult life in prison. 
He had been involved in an altercation at Carter Motel with five uh, officers, two of those being troopers, where he disarmed one of those troopers in the fight, uh, sent two of them to the hospital. I later found out that he had a felony warrant for his arrest. Uh, on an unrelated call, on a theft call from a trader park, um, I see this person drive into the trader park, and I'm by myself. Um, I approached him knowing he's six foot eight and 375 and I'm not that big. Um, I pulled my gun and ordered him to the ground and took him into custody. Um, it was, for me, it was, it was kind of a, a heart pounding thing. Uh, we do it a lot, but that, that particular thing comes to mind because I had dealt with him several times and knowing his background that he had disarmed several people. Um, I did what I had to do and took him into custody. Okay, how are we doing, Kimberly? One more, one more question. All right, we'll start with Daryl. What strategies would you use to build trust and rapport within the community you are serving? Uh, showing compassion, heart, care, uh, just like I did as a deputy out on the street. Um, uh, I'm not above anybody. And it's like when I was a field training officer out on the street, I would always yell, uh, tell young men and women coming in, you know, just because you're carrying that badge and that gun does not give you the uh, right to talk down to anybody and it will not stop you from catching a bullet, a knife, or, you know, a butt whooping out here on the street when you start treating the wrong person wrong. You, know, you treat everybody with dignity. You know, I don't care if it's you know, the, the biggest turd around, you know, but you, you treat them with dignity until they, they don't deserve it any longer. And if it means you stopping and, and helping somebody uh, change a tire on the side of the road, you know, it's not above you. You, know? you help, you serve, you know, talk to people. You know? I've, I've prayed with people when they've lost a loved one just in the other room. And I'm standing there praying with them and talking with them and you know, sometimes crying with them. You know? But when I've you know, seen the things that I've seen out on the street, you know, so uh, just because you wear a badge and a gun doesn't mean that you're any different than any, any of y'all sitting out there, uh, you know, sitting up here. We're all, we're all human. We're all, we're, uh, we all have feelings. We all have hearts. Uh, okay. Tammy, same question. What strategies would you use to build trust and rapport within the community you are serving? Oh, you're talking my language now. So I am like the community queen. Um, and it's because that's what I love. I love getting out there in the community and talking with people. I learned as a rookie officer, if you can get the community um, to trust you, you can do a lot. Not only can you do good, but you can solve crimes. They come to you with tips, whatever. Um, but I think it's a huge part of, of law enforcement. Having that servant leader heart, uh, you know, is, is an important thing. Because once you build trust with the community, that's half of your battle, especially in the climate that we have today, you know, the defund the police and anti-police stuff. We're very fortunate to be in a community where the police, you know, they're loved by the community here. And that's one of the things that, that I love so much about working here. That's why I moved here, was because the community is so supportive. Um, but that is a big part of what I do, is getting out there, starting community projects like the Elderly Care Project, um, I started the Pink Badge Project at the Sheriff's Office and also in Moulton where I'm at now where um, 
people supported the, the deputies and the officers by buying pink badges in the memory of loved ones. And so that's kind of what I do. I'm a, I'm a community person and, and I, can, I hope to do that as constable. Okay, same question for Jason. What strategies would you use to build trust and rapport within the community you are serving? Well, like, like I said earlier, I'd like uh, to be uh, more present at the school uh, with what happened in Uvalde. Uh, we don't want that happening here. We don't want that ha ever happen again. So I'd like to be more present in school. And uh, like Daryl said, being compassionate. When I, the majority of things I serve are evictions. I'm not gonna sit here and, and tell you that people don't pay the rent. So, and you gotta go there and there's two little kids crying. You got to be compassionate to these people. And, but you have to do your job. You have to have thick skin. So uh, just, yeah, just like TJ said, just being out in the community, uh, being more involved, and uh, I get reelected, I'll be out there. Okay, that uh, bring, brings to a conclusion the uh, setup questions. We'd like to take a stretch, 10 minute break. Is that correct? While we're waiting for the moderator to go through the questions real quickly, I wanted to mention that if you would like to support the Fayette County Republican Party and help us out, uh, with these forums, we've got some envelopes up here at the information desk that you can pick up and uh, help us monetarily if, if you wish. Thank you. Okay, I've got three good questions that uh, could apply to everyone up here. And in response to the audience questions, you have one minute, one minute response time per question. All right, so I'm going to start with um, Tammy on the first one. Um, do you think you are the best candidate for the constable position, and if so, why? I do believe I'm the best candidate uh, because, like I said, I'm a full circle law enforcement officer, and I have a work ethic and a work drive that is pretty much unsurpassed. Ask anybody that knows me. I, I work my butt off no matter what it is I'm doing. Uh, so this would not be a part-time position for me. I have the experience, the knowledge, and most of all, the heart to bring what the constable's position needs to be. Um, I've mentioned it you know, before, the community projects, that is a big part of what I would like to bring, uh, just so that we are able to uh, develop a rapport, be seen, like um, Jason mentioned, being in the schools is a big deal, uh, being present, developing a rapport with those kids, you, you can save a life by doing that. So I do believe I'm the best candidate because I have the personality and the experience to, to do that. Okay, same question for Jason. Do you think you are the best candidate for the constable, and if so, why? Yes, sir, I do. I've been here 57 and a half years uh, in this county. I don't plan on leaving, so uh, win or lose. Uh, I, I, my whole life's been involved in uh, public service, and uh, yeah, this, just being a, a native Fayette County person uh, means a lot to people, and uh, uh, I just know a lot of people, so uh, I, I think, like TJ said, being involved in the schools, you can solve some crimes, you know. But uh, yes, school, uh, school districts need help, and uh, I, uh, I was, that's it. Okay. For Daryl, do you think that you are the best candidate for constable, and if so, why? Yes, sir. I do. Uh, the reason being, not uh, being cocky about it or anything, but I'm confident in myself. You know, I know who I am. I, I, uh, I know 
what I believe, you know, uh, God, family, country, uh, that's, you know, that's what I stand on. And I know to, uh, to, to serve him first and, and foremost makes me a better uh, servant for the community because uh, we're to, to serve, to protect, and do all that we can to be proactive. Uh, and whether it's out there you know, pulling over a car and walking through a school, you know, just getting out, walking down the downtown Flatonia, going from you know, business to business, walking in and showing your face, talking to the public, and you know, making yourself known, being seen, and uh, whether it's, you know, just talking with somebody, heck, they could have just lost a family member. And by you sitting there talking with them, taking a little time out of your day, and you could save their life. Okay, thank you. We'll go on to the next question. Starting with Jason, during your career as a, in law enforcement, what do you feel is your greatest accomplishment? Winning the constable's race. <laughs> uh, that, that, uh, I'm glad that my mother and father were here to see that. They, they've uh, passed away. Uh, but uh, yeah, just, just winning the constable's race is one of my greatest accomplishments in being an elected, elected official. Okay. Move on, same question for Daryl. During your career as a law, in law enforcement, what do you feel is your greatest accomplishment? Oh my goodness, um, surviving. <laughs> uh, no, uh, being uh, open to people and being real with people. And um, I've, I've seen it where I was at a house, had to, I had to arrest the dad. Uh, he was cussing me like a sailor. His wife was cussing me like a sailor. And by the time uh, ended up having to stop at the hospital and get him checked out because everybody starts to have a heart attack when you arrest them. And so you got to get him checked out. Uh, but uh, by the time I ended up getting to the jail, uh, the man was in tears and was asking me to pray with him by the time we ended up walking into the jail. You know, so, I mean, there's uh, situations like that where that, you know, you see it go from darkness to light, and it's, you know, it's, it's pretty awesome uh, to be out there and serving the community like that. Okay. Tammy, during your career in law enforcement, what do you feel is your greatest accomplishment? For me, I have two that are pretty equal. Um, as an Austin police officer, I work deep east Austin, the hardest streets there are in the state of Texas, um, but also serve the community and community projects. I started a neighborhood cleanup with uh, in coordination with the community people that live there in the neighborhoods. Um, we wrote city ordinances that did vacant home abatements. We towed off, you know, vehicles that weren't running. Uh, all that uh, took several months coordination um, and it really reduced crime, cleaned up the neighborhoods. And for that, I got the Officer of the Year Award at the Austin Police Department. Um, the second one for me was being involved in the REOK program at the Belton Police Department. I started it. We grew it from just a few members to 300 elderly people in the program. And like I mentioned before, um, it was very successful. In my time there, we saved seven lives. Um, I think right now they're at about 16. They still are running the program. We started the Silver Santa program. Um, so for me, I got the Distinguished Medal, which is the highest award you can get there. Okay, last question I've got here. Uh, start with uh, Tammy first. In response to unpre unprecedented weather-related demands on first responders, game wardens, and EMS this past week, what do you see as your role as a responder in weather or unusual emergencies? 
that for me? Yes. Okay. Well, you're you're a Fayette County law enforcement officer. You should be out there. If if you're having an emergency situation, whether it's a fire, uh, you know, rain, whatever it is, your job is to be out there protecting the community. Um, and and if I were a constable at during last week's events, for instance, you would have seen me out there. I'd have been out there right alongside the county commissioners and their guys, you know, trying to barricade off roadways. They had water rescues going on in Fayette County. It was kind of crazy. Um, but your job is to be out there helping the community. That's what you got elected to do, and that's what I will be doing. Okay, for Jason, in response to unprecedented weather-related demands on first responders, game wardens, and EMS this past week, what do you see as your role as a responder in weather or unusual emergencies? To be out there, I've, I've, I've responded to numerous emergencies with the fire department, so I'm used to it. Uh, getting calls all the hours of the night, so uh, yes, I would be out there. Okay. Daryl, in response to unprecedented weather-related demands on first responders, game wardens, and EMS this past week, what do you see as your role as a responder in weather or unusual emergencies? Uh, to get out there and be right in the thick of it, to help in any way, shape, or form that I can. Uh, to be driving in the back roads just like I, I would as a deputy for Fayette County Sheriff's Office, and to you know that way you're on your you know as they say boots on the ground. You're driving these back roads. You're seeing you know uh, maybe some road that's in uh, out in the middle of nowhere that's dark, and you can forward that along to dispatch and be like, hey, let's get text dot or you know uh, commissioners to get to some road uh, signs up here to block this off before somebody gets washed away, and to be hitting the back roads and driving and doing whatever you know however the sheriff's office or whoever would need me but to you know be out there and hit the hit the ground and try to help okay great that's all i have for questions and uh okay we'll go right to uh closing remarks and let's go with tammy you got two minutes for closing remarks first of all i just want to thank everybody for coming and and you know it's a beautiful day so i was kind of worried that you know with it being so pretty that we wouldn't have the turnout but i'm very excited to see everybody here um, and it means a lot you know we're our country's kind of in trouble and we've got to kind of vote to to kind of get things on the right track and i think that constable's office uh needs that too um i met jason for the first time today uh, i've taken a couple calls with him back when he was in the fire department and i was with the sheriff's office uh, and I think we're, we're both two good candidates, uh, but I know I bring um, a, lot of, a lot of hard work, uh, and I do believe that um, there won't be anybody that will outwork me. Uh, I think that you will be able to see me out there, not only, you know, like Jason said, in the schools, running traffic, serving papers, bailiff in the court, but you will see me in a lot of other aspects that will greatly benefit this precinct in the county. So I ask for your, your vote. Uh, I have put cards on all the tables with my contact information, my website. Uh, that is my personal cell phone on there. So if you want to reach out to me with questions or anything that I can help you with, please do so. And I appreciate everybody coming. Okay, Jason, you have two minutes for closing remarks. Okay, I'm going to read my closing remark because I, I can't memorize all this. On Tuesday, <laughs> March the 5th, 2024, you will be asked to make some crucial decisions as who will represent you in the November general election. Concentrating on my race. This is an important position that requires you to carefully assess the qualifications of the two candidates seeking to represent you for the next four years. Your decision is critical to our future. In fact, the elected person is responsible for pro providing necessary services to all Precinct 4 residents and Fayette County. 
including law enforcement protection. Therefore, it's vitally important that a person given this responsibility fully understands the laws and procedures to accomplish this. I'm running for re-election to this position because I have a strong desire to continue to run this office effectively and efficiently and to make the community a safer place. Whenever you apply for a job, people want to see your resume. I believe that I have the necessary experience, ability, and training to provide the residents of Precinct 4 with top quality, dependable service when it comes to law enforcement services and civil process. As you know, being a constable in the 21st century involves much more than wearing a badge and a gun. It requires specific training to keep up with new laws and procedures concerning civil process. In order to protect the way of life we have enjoyed here in Fayette County, we must be proactive and not reactive. My family's roots run deep here in this community, and family is very important to me, as I'm sure it is to you. As a husband, father, and grandfather, I'm concerned about the kind of community we are passing on to the next generation. And I want to be able to raise, I want them to be able to raise their children in a safe environment. This is not about me, it's about electing the most qualified person to represent you as constable. An election for constables should not center on personalities or who can be the smoothest politician at election time. This is about making this office the best it can be. As always, I am proud to have your vote and support in the upcoming Republican primary, the choice based on merit, extended law enforcement training, and education. Thank you. Okay, Daryl, you have uh, two minutes. I want to thank everybody for coming out today. Uh, I want to thank you for even considering me for this. Uh, if uh, you taken a look at my name even twice when you're voting, I appreciate it. Uh, it would be a great honor uh, to serve the community. Uh, loved serving it as a deputy out on the street here and would love to serve the community again as a constable out on the street to bring the constable out to the forefront, make it uh, more known and more visible, more proactive, and helping the community in any way, in every way, shape, or form that I can uh, to just keep serving God, family, and country and just move this office forward and not backward and make it stronger and better uh, in, in all aspects. And I thank you for your time. Okay, moving on, moving off. The next race we're going to address is our county attorney race. And James Herbrick, Mark Elvig, come on up to the stage. While they're getting settled in, uh, looking through the audience, I, I see quite a few younger people, which I really like to see. That's uh, no, not you. <laughs> I'm talking about those youngins back there in the back. But uh, thanks, thanks to the youngsters for coming. Thanks to the parents for bringing them. It's so important for our youth to get engaged in the political process and understand it. So thanks again to you parents who are bringing your youngsters to this uh, event.
Okay, if we're all ready, we'll roll right along here. Thank you, gentlemen, for coming. And do you have any questions on the rules? Okay, then we'll start right off with... Uh, yeah. Well, you can introduce yourselves. And uh, three minutes for opening remarks, starting with James Herbrick. Thank you. Uh, first of all, thank you for everyone coming out. Um, the most important aspect in my life is here today, which is my wife and my kids, my mother, my brother. Uh, but I do want to thank everyone else for coming out. My name is James Herbrick. I'm an assistant county attorney here in Fayette County. I've been your assistant county attorney for 19 years. I've had 19 years of on-the-job training. I have the support of law enforcement, I have the support of my boss, Peggy Shupak. I have support of everybody that I've worked with for the past 19 years. And the reason for that is twofold. One, for my knowledge, the way I treat people, the way I treat law enforcement, the way I handle these cases. And two, I'm there, I'm available. My phone stays in my shirt pocket. Every officer in this room has my personal cell phone number. Every officer in this room calls me James. We're friends and we're family. I've been there, I've been available for them. I answer phone calls every week in the middle of the night. I receive at least five to seven calls a week about criminal cases. Since I've been here today, I've received two phone calls from police officers. That is not unusual. That happens every day of my life. I still receive phone calls from officers across the state who've worked here. I advise an officer who became a sheriff in Knox County. I receive regular phone calls from Fort Bend County. I receive regular phone calls from Bastrop County. One of the officers that called me a while ago was from Bastrop County. I'm there, I'm available, and I know what I'm doing. This job is a very specialized niche practice. It's not just going to law school and you know what you're doing. You do not. I uh, have had extensive training to be a county attorney. I've had over 400 hours of continuing legal education focused primarily in doing what I do. I go to special classes put on by the Texas District County Attorney Association. Those classes are designed to teach prosecutors how to be prosecutors. This is not a civil practice where you're doing oil and gas litigation. There's, there's no business that we do where we're dealing with that. If we get an oil and gas question that comes across our desk, we go across the street to Ben Scavisa and we ask him to help us out. We prosecute criminals. We represent the county in all issues of county government. The best person for this job is not me. It's Peggy Shupak but Peggy decided to step down. And now I am the best person for this job because she's not running. She had 32 years of experience at the end of this year. And those are the kind of people you need in office. Thank you. Okay, three minutes, Mark, for the... Uh... Good afternoon. My name is Mark Elvig, and I'm uh, pleased to meet uh, many of you who I've never met before. Um, you know, I'm thrilled to be here. I'm thrilled to be out on the campaign trail. I'm not a politician, I've never run for office before, but I have gotten such encouragement and such enthusiasm from meeting people and talking to them about this race and what they're looking for in the county attorney's position. Um, 
I'm running this time to give people a choice for this office. You haven't had a choice for county attorney in at least 50 years, if not longer. I'm running to give you that choice. And that's, and let me tell you about that. So I live in West Point. My wife and I live in West Point. I've owned that property about 16 years. I retired two and a half years ago, moved out here full time. My parents who are in attendance here have lived in Round Top since 1977. Uh, and I'm pleased that all of them could make it uh, today. Let me make one thing clear. I am not running for Mr. Herbrook's job. He has experience, he's got training, he's got all that stuff. I'm not running for that position of assistant county attorney. I'm running to be the county attorney to manage the department, to build a team of experienced people, whether it's outside counsel or inside counsel, who can represent and do a good job for Fayette County. And that's what my experience is in, is, build, is working together, managing and building. So let me tell you about my experience since you don't know me very well. I graduated from UT Law School in 1984, 40 years ago this year. 22 years of trial work, starting at the city attorney's office in Houston. I then went to law firms. I became the partner in charge of a 40-plus attorney office of a 300-plus attorney firm. They trusted me to work with people, to manage the office. I then got an opportunity to go in-house with a publicly traded international oil and gas service company, Core Laboratories, 5,000 employees in over 50 countries. I was the assistant for 16 months, then my boss quit, and I didn't know what was gonna happen. But the CEO walked up to me and extended his hand and said, congratulations, you're promoted to be the general counsel. I had to, and I did that for 13 plus years till I retired. I manage people, I get along with people, I can work with people and build a consensus, and that's what I plan to do in this office. Um, since then, okay, let me just go into since I retired, I've been out in Fayette County. I have worked doing some legal work, but I've also been involved in organizations, including the schools. I taught full-time at Round Top Carmine Elementary the first year I was retired. Not much of a retirement. Since then, I've, I've been a substitute teacher at LaGrange, High School, or LaGrange ISD and Schulenburg ISD. And I've enjoyed that. I enjoy working with kids. I enjoy giving back to the community. Finally, I have four themes that I'll get to later when I answer a question <laughs> that I hope somebody will ask me about. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Uh, good transition. All right. Um, we'll go to the individual questions now in one and a half minutes for response to each question. First of all, go to uh, Mark Elvick first. Describe the duties and responsibilities of the county attorney and which, in your opinion, are the most important. Well, this is a perfect lead-in to my answer. One of my themes is communication. If you go on the county website today, there is no link for what the county attorney does or what the district attorney does. They aren't even listed. Now, I'm, I know they prosecute crimes. They advise commissioners. They advise constables. They advise people on the law. That's one of the things uh, that I uh, plan to do is improve the communication with the community and the citizens about what this office does and get everybody more involved. And so that's my first theme is communication. I think it needs to be improved. Again, I'm not here running negatively against James. I'm running to capture the county attorney's office. And so any 
comments I have are directed to what the county attorney's office does, not any individual within it. Thank you. Okay, for James, describe the duties and responsibilities of the county attorney and which, in your opinion, are the most important. Don't know if I can do all that in a minute and a half. Uh, we represent the county in all county business and all county contracting. Uh, we represent uh, all the uh, open records requests that come through the sheriff's office. We also get questions from DPS and the cities as well, even though we don't represent them. Uh, we uh, handle grand jury. We present all felony indictments to the grand jury. We uh, prosecute all criminal cases from a traffic ticket to capital murder. We represent the Department of Family Protective Services, more popularly known as CPS. We handle all juvenile prosecutions. Uh, we also handle forfeiture cases when we recover money and drugs off the streets. Uh, the most important thing that I've done in my career is represent victims of violence, and in particular domestic violence. I am proud to say that I have fought and obtained for more protective orders in this county for women and victims of domestic violence than all the other Fayette County attorneys combined in the last 19 years in Fayette County. I've also fought very hardly on victims of sexual violence. I've gone to trial on six different cases where we had victims of rape and sexual molestation and received life sentences. And those are truly the most important things that we do in this office. Okay, I'll go to the second question, starting with James. How many people do you expect you will need to run the county attorney's office efficiently? And what changes would you make to improve the functionality of its operation? This is a very small office. Um, management is not really the, the largest function we do in this office, obviously. It's actually doing the work. Uh, we have two assistants, I'm one of them, and my boss. We have one opening that we have been unable to fulfill uh, for several years. We are a four-attorney office with three support staff and one part-time. I would like to fill the open position with someone who's qualified, someone who's prosecuted and gone to trial on criminal cases. Uh, we're not an office where we're a training facility. When someone applies that's never worked in a prosecuting office, we encourage them to go work somewhere in a big city and then come apply. Uh, we just don't have that ability to train and do the work. Uh, my boss is as, just as open to law enforcement as I am. She answers just as many, if not more, questions than I do in the middle of the night. I've had to go to her church and get her out of church to go to the courthouse because we had a murder in town. We work 24-7 for this county. We are not managing people. Our secretaries, our office staff, they know what they're doing. We are doing the work. <laughs> The law enforcement doesn't call my office staff and ask them questions. They don't even call the other attorney in our office because he's a civil attorney. They call my boss and they call me. We are the ones that answer their questions. So unlike my opponent who keeps harping on management, if you take this job January 1st, 2025, you better know the penal code. You better know the family code. You better know the juvenile justice code. I'll stop now. <laughs> Okay, for Mark, how, how many people do you expect you will need to run the county attorney's office efficiently, and what changes would you make to improve the functionality of its operation? Well, uh, like I have experienced in my different positions, I get into the job and figure that out. I don't know how many people it's going to take, but what I'm hearing in part are comments that uh, different departments contact the county attorney's office to get advice on 
different civil issues, not necessarily criminal. And it may take, and they're not very responsive. I plan to improve the responsiveness of the county attorney's office. I don't know how many people that's gonna take or what type of people, but there are 10 months between now and the taking office in January to learn also. But I'm gonna rely on my experience of how to get into a job and do it well. I've succeeded in all these jobs, many of which I didn't know anything about when I started. You know, I don't wanna be, but in any event, so I'm gonna go and figure out what the county attorney's office needs to do, how it can better communicate, how it can be better advisor to the county uh, staffs and departments, how it can protect the citizens, and one of the things I'm gonna do is figure out if the felony caseload, which according to the incumbent has tripled since she took office, if that's being effectively managed and the safety of Fayette County citizens are being protected. Okay, next question coming right back at Mark. In the spirit of openness and transparency in government, under your leadership, do you think we would see an increase in a number of positive Public Information Act responses, meaning granting of the request versus denial? Well, you're gonna get more communication out of the county's attorney's office and more education as to what we do and what our position is. I plan to, to uh, get with the community and communicate with people. I don't know about public service requests, whether I'd grant them or not, or whatever you're asking about, but I'm gonna be very transparent, and, and I like to treat people fairly. One thing is, being relatively new to all this, I don't have camps of favorite people or a side that I'm gonna take on anything. I like to play it down the middle. Whatever the facts and the law are, that's what I'm gonna do. And so whatever gets presented to me, I'm gonna be honest about it and uh, have integrity about it and then respond to what I, how I need to respond to the situation. That's all I can promise to do. Okay, for James, same question. In the spirit of openness and transparency in government, under your leadership, do you think we would see an increase in the number of positive Public Information Act responses, meaning granting the request versus denial? I think we're gonna see an increase. I've had this conversation with my boss recently. Uh, I'm very uh, big about being open and being transparent. Uh, I'd like to streamline the process and we've actually been talking about how we could speed it up. In the last three years, our open records requests have more than tripled. Uh, we are getting them every day. And uh, it's, a, it's a lot to handle for one attorney. Mr. Watson has been overwhelmed with them. Uh, we have always had a position of treating them the same, and I think we can streamline that a little bit better because there's some requests that we don't need to treat the way we re treat other requests. If we would get open records requests on murder cases, on sexual assault cases, those need to be treated differently than a traffic wreck. And so we've talked about streamlining those requests that are for an offense report on a traffic wreck versus a serious crime, and perhaps letting our office staff handle those so that those copies can be made quicker, those redactions can be done faster, uh, because we do have to remove driver's license numbers, dates of birth, social security numbers, uh, personal information that you would not want shared with everyone in the community. And so we have to read over every one of those documents 
we do get some requests that are 10,000 pages long. So that does put a backlog in how fast we can answer those requests. But we are actively in those conversations as we speak. Okay. James, back at you. Next question. What is your opinion of civil asset forfeiture and what would you say to the critics who argue that there is not adequate due process and that the system is an abuse of civil and property rights? Well, I would say, first of all, to those critics, they're not familiar with the process. Uh, there is adequate due process. It is a, it's a civil lawsuit that's filed. They're entitled to counsel. We often get answers that are filed by a counsel. I deal with attorneys all the time. The end result is typically the same when they have an attorney or not. We don't file an asset seizure forfeiture unless we have a crime being committed. The vast majority of asset seizures have been from the cartel. They've been large seizures um, when large amounts of dope have been involved, large amounts of currency. Uh, our sheriff's office is phenomenal in what they do. Uh, when I started here, we had one narcotics officer. We now have four. Two are doing interdiction. Uh, I file all of those civil asset forfeiture cases, whether they bear my name or not. I'm the one that's handling them. And there is due process. There are some of these cases that have been on the docket for quite some time because of discovery, uh, because we're waiting to prosecute the individual before we move forward on those civil cases. Uh, but it, there is due process. There is a right to a jury trial. They, they can hire an attorney. They have right to discovery, just like any other lawsuit. And uh, I am very strong proponent of taking money and assets from the cartel, and that's what we do. Okay, same question, Mark. What is your opinion of civil asset forfeiture, and what would you say to the critics who argue that there is not adequate due process and the system is an abuse of civil and property rights. Well, I'm certainly going to take whatever action allows due process to citizens. Not just my friends, not just my buddies, but everybody. So I'm gonna follow due process, whatever that is and wherever that leads us. Let me, let me answer this in part, and I haven't mentioned it yet, but you know, I'm a strong supporter of law enforcement. Everybody seems to think, oh, law enforcement siding with one or the other. I'm a strong supporter of law enforcement. Law enforcement personnel in Fayette County don't have to worry about me or the positions I'm going to take. I'm going to support them. Now, as to civil forfeitures, if that's called for and that is appropriate and a due process is allowed, I have no problem doing that. That's, that would be part of my job as the county attorney is to follow that and pursue that. And I would do it. I'm not against that. But I want to rest, I want everybody to rest assured I'm going to support law enforcement uh, just as strong as anybody. So, thank you. Okay, next question, starting with Mark. What is your experience with child protective services or juvenile cases? Well, I have, that's part of what I've done since I retired in July of 2021. I've been appointed as ad litem uh, on a couple of cases involving CPS. Uh, I'm representing a parent right now in the children's case. So I have uh, experience in that. And you know, that has gone well. Have I ever done one of those before I retired in July of 2021? No, but I have figured it out and picked it up. So uh, that is my experience. I'm willing to learn and I think I'm capable of learning a lot of topics. And, and doing them well. So 
That's my experience at this point with CPS. Okay, James, what is your experience with Child Protective Services and juvenile cases? On juvenile cases, I was the, one of the juvenile prosecutors in Victoria before moving up here. Uh, when I came up here, my boss was handling the juvenile caseload and she still handles that caseload today. Uh, I filled in for her here and there as needed, uh, but have largely not done a lot of the juvenile cases, um, probably maybe 10 since I've been here that I've really had my hands into, including a murder. Uh, I'm very familiar with the process. I do watch her often in court, but that's been kind of her uh, realm of practice. Now on the CPS side, I've pretty much taken that side over and have so for the last four or five years. When I came here, Mr. Stryker was our CPS uh, prosecutor. Uh, he handled all of our CPS cases. That caseload exploded, and so my boss and I took over that caseload, and then eventually it became my caseload. Uh, when I was in Victoria, I handled the uh, CPS caseload for six weeks while our CPS prosecutor was having a cancer uh, treatment. He was receiving radiation. I tried five of those cases in six weeks. Uh, since I've been here, I've handled uh, trials every year. I had 20 trials one year just on CPS cases. Uh, I have very much specialized in that area while I have been here. Okay, move on to the next question. Right back to James. Regarding the restrictions on gatherings, business closures, and masks forced upon us by the state during COVID crisis, what was the constitutional basis for these mandates, and did you support them? So that's, that's a very good question. I don't believe there was a very good constitutional basis for these mandates. Uh, when Governor Abbott uh, forced these mandates on us, uh, one of the mandates was making it a crime not to wear your mask. Law enforcement called us, asked us if we were gonna prosecute people for not wearing masks, and we told them no. Uh, we told them do not arrest anybody. We were not taking those charges. Uh, it was a scary time. It was a scary time for all of us. We tried the best that we could do to follow the law, but within the confines of the Constitution. Uh, we followed the restrictions. I wore my mask, but I didn't prosecute somebody for not wearing their mask. I wanted people to feel safe, and so I went ahead and followed the restrictions. But as a law enforcement agency, we, there's not one person that was arrested in this county for violating any of those mandates. There was not one prosecution because it was not constitutional. And we did that from the very get-go. Uh, we did encourage everybody, like most people did, to be safe, to wash your hands, uh, to follow what restrictions you felt you needed to. We had businesses call us wanting us to come arrest people in their businesses for people not wearing masks, and we told them we're not going to do that. Thank you. Okay, Mark. Regarding the restrictions on gatherings, business closures, and masks forced upon us by the state during COVID crisis, what was the constitutional basis for these mandates, and did you support them? Well, I'm going to be honest. I haven't studied the constitutionality or the constitutional basis of those mandates. I was not in favor of a lot of the actions taken personally, but I'm glad I was in Texas and not some other states. It was far worse elsewhere. It still is. But, and this touches a little bit on the question you had previously, if there's a law that you're faced with, do you know, will you enforce it or you know, what, how will you react? And I'm not a legislator. I don't make the laws. 
I enforce the laws, and I'd have to take a look at what the law is that I'm being asked to enforce. And if there's a basis to challenge it, we would. If not, we enforce it. And so, I mean, that's about the best I can answer without knowing a specific situation. But I'm glad we are free of those mandates now. I'll just tell you that. Okay, next question. To me. Back, back to Mark. Do you intend to practice law on the side, and what would be your policy regarding assistance practicing law on the side? Uh, I would not plan to practice law on the side. I would view this as a full, it is a full-time position. I don't plan to have a private practice on the side. Now, as to the assistance, uh, I am discovering that one of the assistants, and he doesn't do the criminal, it's not my opponent, I'm not bad-mouthing my opponent, uh, one, of my, one of the assistants has a law practice in uh, Bastrop, and his principal place of business with the state bar is in Bastrop. I don't know if that's good. The, person who, the people who work in the, in the Fayette County Attorney's Office should have their focus on Fayette County. So I would not have a private practice competing with that, and I'm not sure I would want assistance to do so either. Best I can answer the question. Okay, James, do you intend to practice law on the side? And what would your policy be regarding assistance practicing on the side? First of all, I'd like to clarify, because the second time I've heard Mr. Elvig say that statement, and it is completely false. Uh, my uh, coworker, Mr. Watson, accidentally forgot to update his state bar webpage when he moved to Fayette County to practice law here. He has worked here full time, Monday through Friday, eight to five. His my primary practice place is in his office next to mine, right here in your courthouse. He does not have a primary place of business in Bastrop County. That was four years ago. Uh, Blake made the same mistake Mr. Elvig made, who also said his primary practice was in Houston. He just corrected his state bar webpage. Mr. Watson does not work in Bastrop County. He works in Fayette County. As to having a private practice, we are allowed to in Fayette County to have private practices. I have not. In the 19 years here, the only private cases I have taken have been pro bono, non-paid cases where people were destitute. I uh, terminated parental rights uh, to parents on several cases so that grandparents could adopt children where parents were not in the picture. Uh, I've done several cases like that, but other than doing pro bono cases, I've never billed a, pay a client and I've never had a private practice outside of this office. I work full time, I work more than 40 hours a week, so does Mr. Watson for Fayette County, for Fayette County citizens. Okay, next question, James. Given that a response is required within 10 days, what would you do to improve the timely responsiveness to the large number of Public Information Act requests inundating the county attorney's office? So that's kind of a misnomer to begin with. The response time is 10 business days. And the response is not that you get your open record request. The, the 10 days is the time frame that you have to ask the Attorney General's office if you plan on denying that request. The actual response time is a reasonable time. Whatever it reasonably would take your office to uh, provide those records, that's when you should do it. Uh, typically, if you have a small request, you can do that much quicker. Uh, but when you have 30 requests on your desk, you can't do that as fast. 
Uh, again, I'd like to take the uh, cases where they're asking for a, a wreck, you know, where there was a, just something small, an insurance company's asking for a copy of an offense report because of a wreck, and just have a, one of our clerks redact that information and send it out. I think that will speed the process up. When they're actually doing an open records request for an offense report for a crime that we're prosecuting, that's something that we need to look at to see if we need to protect information of victims of sexual assault, victims of domestic violence, is it gonna hurt our case? And that's one of the biggest reasons you don't provide stuff, if it will hurt the case. Uh, the defendant will still get those records, but if you have an open investigation and you're trying to ask other suspects and get them in and get witness statements, you don't want them reading the witness statements that have already been provided. So there's some very good reasons why we hold off on providing that. And the other thing is just all the redactions that have to recur. Given that a response is required within, I'll modify it to 10 business days, what would you do to improve the timely responsiveness to the large number of Public Information Act requests inundating the county attorney's office? Well, Mark. like that and many other topics, I'm going to increase the uh, uh, focus on improving the promptness with which the county attorney's office answers any question, whether it's an open records request or not, and timely advises people of whatever the question is. Um, you know, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm more concerned that it's related to that. I made an open records request for some action taken by the county commissioner's office in December 2022. That process is still going on. I got a response, completely surprising response, and I'll go into that at some other time. But not only do I want to improve the responsiveness on open records requests, but I want to improve the promptness and the focus of enacting commissioner's actions, commissioner's court's actions, other officials' actions, and I think some of that is fallen by the wayside, and I'm happy to talk to anybody about that off this, because I don't think there's time, but I will, I will uh, focus all of my resources to improve the responsiveness of this office to represent the citizens of Fayette County. Okay, coming back at Mark. How would you see and describe your role in land development issues such as subdivisions and flood regulations, water and pipeline issues? Uh, my role is my, oh, there we go. <laughs> Thought that was a comment. Um, my role is to apply the rules and the law fairly, not to pick sides, not to favor one group over another. Uh, but I would look at whatever comes before the county attorney's office by way of an application for land development or anything else, figure out what the facts are, apply the law, and not take sides or play favorites. So I, I can't answer a specific question of how do I favor uh, a particular land development uh, uh, movement or, mo or momentum, but I, I can say we will pay attention to it and treat it as fairly as we can treat it under the law and the facts. Okay. For James, how would you see and describe your role in land development issues such as subdivisions and flood regulations, water and pipe issues, etc.? Okay, first of all, uh, those applications don't come through our office. That comes through the county judge's office. Those permits are approved by commissioner's court. 
uh, us as county attorneys, we're advisory uh, position in, in that matter, but we don't make those decisions. That's why you elect the commissioners and the county judge. Our role is to say whether the subdivisions that they want to pass are legal or not, whether the rules are legal. Uh, when I was here many years ago, they, there was a rule that was passed that didn't come by our office. It was a subdivision rule, and it actually made it a crime to, to violate the floodplain ordinance, and they put jail time in the ordinance, which they couldn't do. It was illegal. And my role was to say, no, we're not going to go arrest this guy. This ordinance was illegal. We need to stop. We need to redraft this order, and y'all need to run these by our office. Our office is to review and make sure that they follow the law, not to determine what is okay for someone to develop or not. That's not our role. That's what the commissioner's role is. Mm -hmm. We are their legal advisor. We are not the ones that set policy. Uh, that's the reason we have such wonderful commissioners and the county judge, and they get paid to make all of those decisions. I will say they do a very good job trying to be fair uh, we make sure that they're doing it in an open process with open government, but policy decisions are not our decisions to make, and that's not why we are uh, elected or hired. That's not our role. Okay, next question back at James. What are your thoughts on county attorney's office budget? What changes, if any, would you recommend, and how would you use SB, I guess that's State Bill 22 funds? <coughs> That's a really exciting time for us. Um, we've been dealing with a very low budget. Uh, bless our commissioner's court, but they really watch out for our tax dollars. Uh, when I came here, I took a $32,000 pay cut to come work for $38,000 a year. It's been very hard at times to deal with the budget that we had, and my boss has done a wonderful job. Now we're gonna get some money finally that we can pay assistant prosecutors what they're worth. Uh, for many years, I would look at that budget, what I was getting paid, and realize other counties were paying starting out prosecutors my salary. When uh, we went to hire Blake Watson, I went to my boss and I said, look, pay him the same thing you're paying me. I don't care. We're not going to get anybody. So now we have some money that's going to come in. We're going to be actually able to pay decent salaries to prosecutors. It's not enough money to hire a whole bunch of prosecutors to manage but we might get some decent guys in here that can help, and we might be able to fill that open position. And so I'm very excited that the state government is finally helping us out and getting us some money. And they recognize that across the state. It's not just a problem in Fayette County. It's everywhere. Uh, but you hire someone out of college that spent $200,000 plus to get a degree and pay them $38,000 a year, you're not gonna find that person. Uh, luckily, I make more than that now, but it's still hard to find people to do this job without paying them a fair wage. Okay. Mark, what are your thoughts on the county attorney's office budget? What changes, if any, would you recommend, and how would you use State Bill 22 funds? Well, I have looked at the budget, best I can read it, and it appears that the county attorney's budget is about $700,000, at least that's what's enumerated in the budget, out of a $31 million county budget give or take numbers. So one of the things that needs to be increased probably is, again, the incumbent has said that the felony caseload in Fayette County has tripled since 2005. Now, I don't know the source of those crimes. Are they all being committed in Fayette County? Are, they, are we taking on other cases? I don't know. 
But if the, fa if the, fa the uh, felony caseload has tripled, we need to address that. So we aren't turning people out onto the streets that we shouldn't be turning out on the streets and make sure we're prosecuting them effectively. So again, I support law enforcement in that. So I'm gonna look at the budget and ask for whatever money we need to deal with that issue and any other issue, whether it's criminal prosecution or advisory role, whatever. Uh, that seems a little light on a budget, but that's what I'm gonna have to look at. And I have done budgets before uh, in, my, in my career. Kimberly, go on for one more, okay. Starting with Mark on this one. What are your thoughts about the current condition of our county jail and what should be done about it, such as leave it as is, remodel, or rebuild? Well, I've, I've talked to somebody about that and uh, were apparently a decision or it's been investigated and there was a study done, uh, I think by the previous county judge, that said we're gonna be out of space and out of room in the current jail by 2028. Well, and it's gonna take four or five years to build a new jail. So uh, again, that's not my decision to make. That's up to the commissioner's court to decide that issue. But. I'm for having adequate facilities to deal with criminals who choose to come and commit crime in Fayette County through whatever other sort, you know, whether we house them in Fayette County, whether we house them elsewhere, I don't know. It's not my decision to make, but I'm certainly in favor of having adequate jail space for criminals and not just turning people out on the street because we don't have enough space. And I see, that, I see nationally what that means, and that's not good. And I don't want that coming to Texas, and certainly not to Fayette County. Okay, same question, James. What are your thoughts about the current condition of our county jail, and what should be done about it, such as leave as is, remodel, or rebuild? So we, we've addressed this question many times since I've been here. Uh, with every county judge, no one wants to you know, address that really because of the cost. It's gonna be very expensive. Our current facility has about 45 beds, and the reason it's only 45 is the state changes their rules. And when they come in and they say you can have only this much square footage per inmate, it drops the number that you can put in a cell. So we used to be able to house more prisoners, but now we can only house 45. If we get more than four women in that jail, we have to shut down a male wing because the men cannot see or hear the women. So it decreases our bed availability in the jail. When I left on Friday, I'll always look at the jail capacity. I always look at who's in our jail. We have weekly discussions about who's in our jail and, and, and how do we need to address this. Uh, when I left on Friday, we had 34 people in our jail, and I know we had several arrests over the weekends because I had several calls about it. Uh, we have had in the past, and when we have a contract with Lee County, they have a new facility with a jail that's twice as large as ours. Our overflow goes to Lee County. It also goes to Colorado County. And then we have to pay per inmate per day for that overflow. We've also utilized Bastrop County. Uh, it's something that's coming. It's in the near future, not the far future. We are gonna have to build a new jail. Uh, we can't just add on to the jail, and we've looked at that, but adding on to the jail means the whole jail has to come up to current specs, which would pretty much mean demolishing where we keep the inmates, and it would be more costly. Uh, I better stop. <laughs> Okay, Kimberly, how do we look? Go ahead, one more question. All right, James, 
What programs and policies would you implement as county attorney to reduce crime and increase public safety in the county? We're, we're constantly looking at that, and I'd like to talk about some programs that we have put into place. Um, my boss came up with, uh, with Brian Adams, who recommended it, uh, putting in these devices in the bathrooms in the schools that detect when kids are smoking uh, THC or, or nicotine. And so she put it out there as an offer to pay for all of that across the county at all of the schools, and several schools took us up, including LaGrange. So we spent about $60,000 in forfeiture funds to put those devices in there to help do that. Uh, the sheriff's office, uh, Lieutenant Byer asked my boss, and we talked about it, uh, to pay for their training so that they don't have to travel outside the county so that they could be more available to work in the county. Because when you send someone to a conference for a week, you lose them for about two weeks because they get overtime and, and that sort of thing. So we pay out of the forfeiture budget for a computer program so officers can sit down and get their training at their leisure when they need it and then get all of their training. And we don't, the county doesn't have to pay for those hotel rooms and that travel. Um, we've also sent officers to specialized trainings, narcotics officers, narcotics training, uh, troopers and other officers who are doing DWI enforcement to DWI training. Uh, and we, can, we plan on continuing to do that. We've, all, we've also taught classes ourselves, not only to the officers, but we've taught classes to the teachers, and we've taught classes to the students. We've been involved in Chatter Dreams in Flatonia and Schulenburg. I've taught DWI education in LaGrange and Fayetteville. I better stop. Okay, Mark, what programs and policies would you implement as county attorney to reduce crime and increase public safety in the county? Okay. I want people, the citizens, to be engaged and informed, and I want them asking questions. I want them asking questions of the county attorney's office. I want them know to, to know what questions to ask, because that will keep us on our toes if we're constantly having to respond to somebody. I know that works in the, in the real world. When somebody's pressing you for an answer, you tend to know the answer. And so I want the citizens to be educated. And one of the questions I've, I've got to talk about, I'm not going to talk about minor things and, and all of that, but it goes back to this felony caseload. And are we letting anyone out that we shouldn't be letting out, either because the, the felony caseload is unsafe or for other reasons? And this is not, again, I'm not attacking Mr. Herbrook, but I'm, I'm just educating the people about the county attorney's office. There was a, a case of, uh, Carlo, of uh, Rafael Govea Romero, who was picked up on a burglary habitation charge in Fayette County, pled out to no jail time, and went down to Edna and murdered a 16-year-old. Now, why, why did that happen? I want people asking that question. So I'm going to be more responsive and get answers and try to prevent situations like that. Okay, that ends. Go ahead and do one more question. Okay, we'll go do one more. Mark. Yes. Do you believe that employers, whether public or private, should be able to discriminate against employees based on vaccines, vaccine, vaccination status? Uh, no. Okay. That's How long good. do I have to answer? A minute and a half? <laughs> you could say no for a uh, No, I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think. I think people have a personal choice, and employers should not be able to discriminate against somebody who chooses not to get a vaccine. 
because, and again, I'm not a medical doctor. I don't know the, the efficacy of all that stuff, but I don't think it's up to them to do that. Okay. James, same question. Do you believe that employers, whether public or private, should be able to discriminate against employees based on vaccination status? I think it's something I can agree with Mr. Elvig. That would be a hell no. <laughs> all right, we'll cut it short there. All right, well, uh, uh, at this time, I'd like to take uh, questions, if we can gather any questions from the audience. Any questions for the audience for the county attorney? Mm. And just to make this clear, this position that these two men are vying for, what do you think, Mike? we keep referring to county attorney, but it actually is a combined district attorney and county attorney. So they will handle everything, district attorney and county attorney. So I know we've been just referring to county attorney, but it's a larger job than that. And once we finish up with the county attorney, you will get a little five-minute break. But if you need to go to the restroom or get some more snacks, feel free to do that right now. Was that another attorney one? Okay. We're ready, yeah. Okay, we're going to continue now with the audience questions, so quiet down. All right, I'll start off with a couple questions from the audience here. For uh, James, we'll start off. How would you recruit attorneys to work for Fayette County based on the current pay scales and benefits? Well, again, the, uh, the money that we talked about earlier that's gonna be coming to our department is gonna help with recruiting. Uh, I have made quite a few friends out in the legal community and I'm actually uh, have several people that have come and said, I wanna work with you. 
uh, I want to come work at your office. So I do have some really good leads at some very qualified prosecutors that want to come work at this office. Uh, and I believe my boss is going to be willing to stick around and work for me uh, if I would win this election. So I have several very talented prosecutors that want to come work for me and work with me. Okay. Mark, same question. How would you recruit attorneys to work for Fayette County based on current pay scales and benefits? Uh, I'm open to anyone who's qualified to hold this position or whatever position we're filling in that role. I'm not looking to necessarily blow up the situation, but if I have to, I will find a way uh, through connections I have, uh, both in Fayette County and in surrounding counties and elsewhere, to find staff members, because I have between March and January to do so. I don't have to do it next week. And I will find one or more people, whatever positions I have available. That, that need to be filled, and I will do it with the budget I have. I'm gonna have to. And because believe me, this is about a team. It's not about me running the entire and doing everything. But I will find a way to staff the office appropriately with qualified people. Okay, next question, <coughs> starting with uh, Mark. Uh, is the general feeling in the country our justice system is broken and the citizens are suffering because of the dysfunction in the system? How would you restore trust? Well, I feel I could restore trust because I feel like I'm an honest person with a lot of integrity. And I think that's going to instill a lot of confidence in people. And the way I'm going to handle this office is I'm going to give confidence to the citizens of Fayette County that they're being dealt with fairly. And so that will help instill confidence within our county uh, specifically. And that's my goal, is to attack this thing from the local level up. I can't fix Washington, I can't fix New York or California or any, I'm not even gonna try to do that. But I can bring a level of candor, honesty, integrity, hard work, determination, all the things I've done for 40 plus years to this office and so people, and so I'll be an excellent representative for you, and you'll be proud to have me as your county attorney and say, you know, this guy's running this job okay. We didn't know he could do it back in January of, of 2024, but that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to live by that creed. Okay. James, your thoughts on, the, uh, on this the, uh, feeling in the country our justice system is broken, citizens are suffering because of the dysfunction in the system. How would you restore trust? Well, I don't think we have distrust in the system here in Fayette County. Uh, by far, I hear people are very proud of our law enforcement and the way cases are handled. Uh, one of the things that we can do is not make reckless comments, not make comments about pending cases, not criticize what people have done. But Mr. Elvick just commented about a case where someone was murdered. Let me tell you about that case. That was a burglary of a habitation that wasn't a case where someone went and kicked in a door and someone was in a house. It was a construction site. An air compressor and two windows were stolen from a compressor site. The individual who did that was an illegal. He was prosecuted for the highest possible charge, not a misdemeanor theft, but a burglary of a habitation. He received five years of felony probation where he looked at the maximum punishment if he violates his probation, which is 20 years. 
Because he was an illegal, he is now deportable, and he should have been deported by the federal government. Right. That's, let's stop there. But the next question, uh, so there's obvious in interest in this area, uh, starting with James. Uh, what is the current policy of the uh, county attorney's office in handling Ill illegal aliens that are indicted and convicted? So we don't, we don't racially discriminate based off of national origin. Uh, immigration is a federal problem, not our problem. We communicate with INS, the uh, sheriff's office, when everyone is arrested, they make a report. INS tells us if they're gonna put a hold on someone, they make the determination if they're gonna be deported. We make a determination of what charge they're charged with. The individual that later committed murder had no criminal history, we had no way of shaking a crystal ball to see that he was going to kill somebody. And we prosecuted him very appropriately. That charge under the federal statute is a serious criminal violation by their definition, <laughs> which means it's a deportable offense. If President Trump had been in office, he wouldn't have been here today. If there's any blame to blame on that sorry person for doing what he did, it's President Trump. And let me be very clear, and Andy Balin can attest to this, I do not take shots when there are victims out there that are going to hear it. And those comments are extremely reckless. All right. question is, what is the current policy of the county attorney's office in handling illegal aliens that are indicted and convicted? It would more be a, what would your policy be? Well, well I, I'm, let me respond to this, because I've been accused now of being reckless all I'm doing is bringing up questions that need to be asked. People may not even know to ask these questions. I'm just saying there was a case. The person was not tried. There was no trial. There was a plea bargain. He got deferred adjudication for five years, which if, this is what I'm reading from the papers, public record. And so I want you asking questions. If there was better communication with the citizens, we'd know these answers, and I wouldn't have to ask them. But my asking questions is not being reckless. It's something to focus on. And but particularly when it involves illegal immigrants, I think given what's happened around the country with the illegal immigrants, a heightened sense of scrutiny has to be applied. Okay. That's all the uh, questions that I've got. So we'll go into uh, two minutes of uh, two minutes of closing remarks, starting with uh, Mark Elvig. Okay. Well, thank you all for allowing me to speak and listening to me this afternoon. Somebody has to ask these questions, has to open the eyes of the citizens, and it can't. I can't be accused of being reckless or anything else for asking questions that none of us know the answer to. And, you know, I met with somebody early on who I was told to meet with, a, a power broker type, and he said, what are you going to do? You don't know anything. How are you going to run this? I said, well, according to you, the only, the only qualification for somebody who can do the county attorney's job is somebody who works for the county attorney's office. I said, that's just not right. It can't be a self-sustaining fiefdom forever. I'm running to give you a choice. So... I'm, I'm running on my four themes, which I'm going to get to, communication, crime, integrity, and compliance. 
I've touched a little bit on communication. I don't think there is any communication right now with the public. Crime, that's my main issue. Are we keeping the citizens of Fayette County safe? Question, integrity. I will bring the honesty and, and integrity and hard work and be a good representative for you. And finally, compliance. I will help enact on a timely basis decisions by Commissioner's Court and others and not let them linger. And I've written about this having to do with the, the changes in the personnel policy uh, that were approved back in December of 2022. And when I raised it 13 months later at the Commissioner's Court meeting, it wasn't in effect, so I don't get the information I'm asked for. Well, why is it not in effect for 13 months? Then at the meeting last Thursday, they decided to rescind their decision from December of 2022. Really? But people don't know this. Talk to me afterwards. I'll be happy to talk with you further about any specifics, but I do appreciate your time and listening to me and giving me a fair shot to represent Fayette County. Thank you. All right, James, you have two minutes for closing remarks. I appreciate everybody that came out here today. I've talked to a lot of people, and a lot of people have come up and told me, in my personal experience as well, every job I've ever worked at, I started at the bottom. There's no, there's nothing that you can do better than on-the-job training. There's no experience that you can have in any career, any profession, than on-the-job training. Working as an assistant prosecutor is normally the career path for every elected official that's the DA or county attorney. And the reason is, is because it's the same type of work, but you're now the one in charge. There is no, nothing you can read out of a book. 10 months of learning and reading out of a book is not gonna prepare you for this job. I was not prepared for this job 10 years ago. I was not prepared for this job five years ago. I'm prepared today after 21 years of experience. He is not gonna be prepared reading a book from his vacation home in Maine. You cannot do that. You have to have some experience. You've heard the questions today. He doesn't even know what we do in our office. He doesn't know what our employees do in this office. He doesn't even know that they work in our office. He is not prepared as he sits here today to answer those difficult questions. When law enforcement calls you and they tell you that the granddaughter just beat up the grandparents, what charge do we go with? He's not even gonna be prepared to answer that question. He doesn't know the penal code. He doesn't know the code of criminal procedure, the juvenile justice code, the local government code, the family code, uh, the election code, the education code, the administrative code, the Texas Alcoholic Beverage Code. They go on and on and on. I've read every one multiple times for 21 years. I've also read the case law. Thank you for your time. All right, we're gonna move on to the county chairman race. So Mr. Schlaubach and myself will take the stage. And I'll turn it over to our moderator, Dennis Giesemann. Okay, if we're ready to go, you're familiar with the rules, both of you? And we'll open up with uh, three minutes for opening comments. And start with uh, 
Michael Schlebach. Is it pronounced Schlebach? Yes, sir. Okay. Hi, uh, my name is Michael Schlebach. Uh, right now, Kansas City was winning 14 to 7, in case anybody wanted to know. Um, I'm going to start off by introducing myself by answering a few questions that were some things that were said about me. On December 16th, there was an email sent out. And if you'll read it, listen to it, I'll tell you what the truth. It says, finally, keep in mind the county chairman, representative, Fayette County. The chairman interfaces with our elected officials at all levels, including attending events at the governor's mansion. <clears throat> the Republican voters in Fayette County deserve a chairman who is knowledgeable, experienced, presentable, articulate, organized, responsive, diligent, and dedicated to running fair and honest primary elections. I believe I have proven that I meet all those qualifications. My opponent does not. I'm the person she's talking about. When it comes to attending the governor's mansion, trust me, when I walk in there, Dan Patrick's gonna look, he's gonna look at the governor and say, dang, that boy looks good. And Abbott's gonna say, yes, I can look good if I want to. It depends where I am. I'm a tax service, usually I'm bloody. Um, when it comes to interfacing with local officials, I had to sit there and I had to work for the last few months. We had a lot, a big deal coming down the pike and um, we had to work on getting grants. So I had to work with the state, local officials and judge. Ellinger Sewer and Water got $2.3 million because of my diligence and my work. I did it. So when I put my heart to something, I do it. As far as experience, I'm not experienced in this job. But they said the same thing when I became president of the Ellinger Chamber, an old ragged hall that has now had a half a million dollars improvements. Back uh, eight years ago, we made about 23,000. Last year, we made 115,000. That's how knowledgeable I was about running an organization like that. When I came to the water board for 10 years, they had fought to get clean water in Ellinger for 10 years. I came, I work with people. I love working with people. In three years, we've gotten over $3 million in grants. We've got a filtration system being built and a new sewage treatment plant. And that's working with local officials and the state. I can work with people. As far as um, presentable, when I walk in the building, my wife makes me look good. So I ain't worried about that too much. Articulate, I know there, there, and there. I know the three differences. I know how to spell them, so I can go from there. Organize, well, I wouldn't organize this on the day of a Super Bowl playoff. Um, responsive, ask anybody in Ellen Church that's got problems with water, ask anybody. I am diligent. Like I said, I got the grants. Dedicated, I'm very dedicated. I love this county. I love the people. I'm never leaving, and I can make it better. Thank you. Okay, Deborah, three minutes opening comments. All right. Well, I don't want to service county care forever. I strongly believe that whoever takes on this position needs to have complete understanding of what it demands in personal time and expense, the political processes of Fayette County Republican Party and the Republican Party of Texas, and especially the election process. The best way to obtain this knowledge is to have experienced it firsthand, which I have done since 2010. This includes serving as election judge, precinct chair, activity chair, vice chairman, and county chairman. I want to ensure the continued integrity of the Republican Party primary elections in Fayette County. I want voters to have every opportunity to educate themselves on the candidates and issues on the ballot. I have proven my dedication and determination having volunteered on average 40 hours a week and even more during the primary seasons. 
A key focus as party chairman is to educate the public on critical issues and election details. I have built relationships with elected officials and party leaders across the state. I have attended every Republican Party of Texas State Convention since 2010. Being retired, I have ample time to dedicate to the many duties of the volunteer position of county chair, including organizing and hosting quarterly meetings, precinct and county conventions, candidate forums and meet and greets, campaign headquarters and fair booths, composing uh, recruiting precinct chairs, communicating with voters, and organizing participation in annual parades. However, the most important function of a county chair is to conduct the party primary and the runoff elections every other year. This involves accepting ballot applications and filing fees, coordinating with the local elections office, and the Secretary of State, scheduling ballot draws, filing various reports with the Secretary of State, recruiting election judges and clerks, delivering supplies, responding to emergencies, observing the central counting. I have performed all of these responsibilities throughout my service as party chairman. And because the body of law related to political parties and elections is huge, I attend election law training prior to the primary election years. I am experienced, organized, professional, responsive, and dedicated to running informed and fair elections. I ask for your support and your vote on March 5th. Okay, now we'll move on to responses to questions. One and a half minute time for each response. And starting in ballot order, we'll start with uh, Michael Schlabach. Describe the duties and responsibilities of the county chair and which, in your opinion, are the most important. Um, duties, sorry. Um, especially during like the election, you do the Republican campaign headquarters, distribute signs, um, keep, get your precinct uh, chair people. You know, I think she said that she's got 10 or 12 and that's very good. I think I can feel all 12, like I said, because I'm pretty easy to work with. Um, also, before that is getting people educated on voting. Um, as I've said before, I think that everybody knows who they're going to vote for when they're 40 years old and older. It needs to get to a younger audience and target them even more to get the Republican Party moving. So your big deal is, like she said, during the primary and runoff elections. But at the same time, a lot of that, do I know all of it? No. Am I learning it? Yes. And I've had a lot of people call me who works with it says, I think we can work good together. So a lot of that, you get the more responsible people smarter than you because we're not... I'm not smarter than everybody else. I want somebody smarter than me help me work with this and delegate a lot of that authority. But it all comes back to me. But like I said, that is the most important. You know, get your campaign headquarters, get the science out, get the voice out. But it's also before that is getting the people into it and getting them back and getting them enthused again in this party. And that's how I feel. Thank you. Okay, Deborah, same question. Describe the duties and responsibilities of the county chair and which, in your opinion, are the most important. Okay, well, I just reiterated in my opening statement all of or most of the responsibilities. But again, the most important is ensuring the integrity of our primary elections and our runoff elections and making sure that the voters have every opportunity they can to know who they're voting for, why they're voting for them, uh, whether it's the propositions, the amendments on the ballot, or the actual candidates. I want our voters to take the time and make the effort to understand what 
or who they're voting for. And so my job, like these candidate forums, they're on the radio, they're on Facebook, they're going to be posted on our website. So not only the people who showed up today to listen to this will have the opportunity, but also everybody in Fayette County who can access the web or listen to the radio or go on Facebook will have the same opportunity to hear what went on today and make an informed decision. Okay, next question. Deborah, back at you. Explain how your personal background, education, and work experience make you the best candidate for chair. I worked for AT&T for 37 years. While I was there, I learned the importance of fulfilling a commitment. When you, when you make a commitment to someone, you honor that commitment. I learned professionalism and dedication to the job. I learned customer service. Um, I just think you're only as good as your word. If, if you make a commitment to somebody, then you follow through and make sure that you do that. So my background with AT&T and then once I moved to Fayette County, I worked for Bots Title for several years, but all throughout that, the most important part was honoring my commitments to my customers. Okay, same question for uh, Michael. Explain how your personal background, education, and work experience make you the best candidate for chair. Um, my work background, I'm self-employed, and most of my life have been. Um, I spent 10 years in the United States Reserve, was activated twice. Um, I'm very good with people. I think you can ask my wife. We ran into a few old veteran friends of mine, and anybody who worked with me loved me. I'm good. I'm hardworking, honest, diligent. Um, working in several community deals, facets such as the chamber, you're always putting fires out, and that's point blank, because you have so many different personalities to work with. And until it comes down time to kind of hammer down and say, okay, we're going to put a stop to this, you work as a moderator and you get people to learn it. Everybody's different and you work together. I've got a saying, stay in your lane, because when somebody's doing a good job and they're very good at it, you don't need 10 other people coming in there telling them, no, this is how you need to do it. If they're doing it, they're doing it right and they're persistent, it's good, you got to keep it going. So I think I'm a good leader. I think I've shown it anybody that's worked with me through the chamber. Um, anybody that's worked with me on the water board, anybody that's seen me go to the state of Texas and sit down in front of the Texas Water Development Board, that's not nice people up there. But you can talk to them, and you look them in the eyes, and you tell them, I can get this done for you. And you tell your people the same thing. You tell the voters the same thing. Let's get this moving. Let's get this train rolling. And you build confidence in people, and they're going to come along, and they're going to join you. You're going to get more. Thank you. Okay, next question. Right back at uh, Michael. To what degree have you participated in county and state party activities? Such as uh, state party activities. Well, let me finish the question. No, I'm sorry. Such as local congressional and senate district meetings, precinct, county, and state conventions. I haven't. Um, I don't know if going to some Trump rallies counts for anything, but um, but no, I haven't. I've been a part of politics. I've been a Republican ever since I was a little kid. I was a Reagan Republican. 
Um, I've followed the parties as far as being involved. I have not because I've had a lot on my plate. Since I've achieved a lot of the goals I've looked at in my community activities, it's time to move on, on to bigger and better things. I'm a firm believer in leaving things better than you found them, and I have most definitely achieved that, and I'm looking for some more new adventures. Okay. Deborah, to what degree have you participated in county and state party activities such as local congressional and senate district meetings, precinct, county, and state conventions? All right. Since I joined the Fayette County Republican Party in 2010, I have attended every state convention held. Uh, initially, the first convention, I was an alternate. Uh, from the next convention on, I was a delegate, meaning I'm representing Fayette County and the decisions that the Republican Party of Texas is making as far as their priorities, their legislative priorities, uh, their rules, things like that. So. I have been able to represent uh, Fayette County at the Republican Party. Uh, I became vice chair of the party in 2014, uh, serving under our illustrious chair, David Stahl, uh, when he decided to pursue uh, running for House District. Then I was asked to step up and be vice chair, I mean, be chairman of the party, uh, it's not something I really wanted to do, but I accepted the challenge. And since then, I have gone on to represent Fayette County at very every Senate district meeting, every um, you know convention, uh, organized the county conventions, the precinct conventions, quarterly meetings, all of that. Okay, we'll go on to the next questions, uh, starting with Deborah. What are your plans and ideas for the future of the party and the advancement of conservative principles? Well, first of all, I want to maintain election integrity in Fayette County. I think we have a great uh, election administrator. She has a, a good staff. I have a very solid relationship with the elections office. Um, Again, I have experience and training in election laws and uh, the process involved in working the, the elections because I started working the elections myself. Um, also, I'm open to ideas to grow our membership and especially focus on the youth. I encourage people to come to me and not just tell me what I should be doing or what the party should be doing, but come to me and offer to help. If you have expertise or you have ideas that you think will help grow the party or bring the youth in, I am open. And especially if you want to step up and say, not only do I have this idea, but I'm willing to actually help implement this idea. So instead of just telling me what I should be doing, I'm looking for help. Okay, same question, Michael. Um, what are your plans? I'll read it for you again. What are your plans and ideas for the future of the party and the advancement of conservative principles? It's nice that she pushed on a topic about youth because at Frischoff, that was the exact topic I pushed. Uh, the difference is I'm not gonna wait for them to come to me, I'm going to them. Um, I'll give you an example. Young people don't read the newspaper anymore. That's why most of them are folding. 
A lot of them don't watch news unless it's MSNBC. They look at Facebook, they look at Instagram. The last post from the Republican Party is right here, and it was on January 22nd, 2022. How are you gonna reach young, young people through that if you don't talk to them for two years? That's how you reach them with social media these days. Whether you like it or not, that's what they read. You've gotta go out, you've gotta get people. Um, I'll tell you something, it's funny, I just talked about it the other week, right here. Lavaca County Republican Party, I was told there's no money for signs. George Soros is the one with thought we don't have no money. Right here, Lavaca County Republican Party fundraiser, plates to go, $10 a plate, pulled pork, boom. If you got 75 people in this room, you can sell 750 plates, that's $7,500. That's a lot of darn signs, people. And guess who's going to sell the plates? Young people. And they're going to come together. They're not going to see that we're a bunch of old fuddy-duddies. That we're actually fun and can do th uh, things and join together. And that's how you get them together. Get them to congregate. Get them to build on something. And they'll co keep coming back and they see it's for a good cause. We've got to get the young people involved. But we bring it to them and ask them to help. Don't wait for them to come to us. That's a crazy notion. Thank you. Okay, next question starting with Michael. How many elections, if any, have you volunteered for and in what capacity? I'm volunteered, I have for none. I've been to a lot of rallies, I've done a lot. I've watched from the sidelines. As I said, once I do go into something, I go full force. I've had to talk with a lot of people. I've had a lot of people call me and say, hey, we've got this, we'll walk you through this, let's do this. We'll walk this walk together. I've talked to other county chairs from other county chairs from other counties. They said, hey, we'll guide you. So am I going to it blind? Yes. Do I know what I'm getting into? Yes. And so that's the way I proceed is I'm gonna look to my peers I trust, take advice from them. Uh, Attorney General's office is very, very good at working with people on this. I've already talked to them about a few things, trying to ask questions, making sure even my campaign finance, how it's in line, make sure everything's done correctly. So that's how I plan on approaching it. Okay, same question for Deborah. How many elections have you, if any, have you volunteered for and in what capacity? I started working elections probably in 2012 and initially started out working as an election judge in various precincts wherever they needed me. I've worked in Almondsville, I've worked in LaGrange, I've, uh, anyway, I have worked as election judge, uh, then as vice chair, I assisted in observing the elections, and once I was chair, then of course I became responsible for ensuring there were election judges, workers, both the early voting ballot board, um, central counting, the night of the election. Uh, every election I am at the election administrator's office. I stay there, I observe the bringing in of the ballot boxes, I observe the counting in the central count office, and I am there until every single ballot is counted and we have an accurate uh, count of the ballots. So sometimes I'm there till one o'clock in the morning. Okay, next question, starting with Deborah. What would you do to combat apathy and lack of public participation and recruit new members for the party? <laughs> well, that's a rough one because you know, I have been trying to wake this county up for uh, about a decade. And it's, like I said, it, we just have to get as much information out there as possible. I make sure that our quarterly meetings have 
pertinent and interesting and educational speakers on the topics that are hot at the time. Um, I advertise it in the paper. We've, again, we're posting this forum on the radio, on Facebook, and it's gonna be a high quality video on our website that's gonna be available this afternoon for people to view. Okay, Michael, what would you do to combat apathy and lack of public participation and recruit new members to the party? Oh, same thing I said earlier, it's simple. People like getting together, people like doing fun things. There's young Christian groups who don't wanna go out to a beer joint and, or go you know, on a drinking binge everywhere across the county. I would have fundraisers such as this. You know, like they did here, get them together, cook the barbecue together, serve it, have them drive it to different stations in Schulenburg, Platonia, wherever they need to be, something fun. You know, you can have a youth night where they can come together, play basketball, something like that. Um, as I said, you want to get message out. Kids don't read the newspaper anymore. I'm sorry. They go to Facebook. Two years ago was the last Facebook page. Well, you're not going to reach young people that way. you got to get an Instagram account. I mean, I hate to say it and keep pushing social media, but that is the wave. You know, Elon Musk didn't spend all that money on Twitter because it's a failure. And we have got to look at new ways. You're not going to get nobody to a meeting that knows nothing about it. Get the youth involved. Get the younger people. They're not going to listen to me. But if there's a young 30-year-old out there, professional, they're going to listen to him. I'm over 50 years old. They don't care what I have to say. And I'm not being rude. They don't care what most anybody else has to say. But they're going to listen to younger people. We get younger people. We reach out to them. We ask for them to come join things. We ask for them to come join in the socials. We do have the fundraisers, so you've got the money to spend out there. And like I said, see there, have a good time. You've got to bring them to you. You don't tell them just come on to a meeting. They're not going to come. So thank you. All right, next question. Right back at Michael. How much time do you plan to devote to the duties of county chair, and what obligations do you have that might affect your ability to perform those duties? Um, all depends on what part time of the year it is. During the election time process, I'll probably have my employee. I'll go to work in the morning, make sure everything's lined up, and then go spend most of my days on that. Um, during the months, not as much, but quite a bit. Arranging little weekly socials if we need to, or bi-weekly. Arranging meetings, trying to get, like I said, the function pages up and getting out there, trying to reach out to people. It's kind of the same way. I'm going to draw back on the water board. I'm going to draw back on the um, chamber a little bit because I really feel this morning, we used to, we'd beg people to come. We did, I was dressed as a chicken this morning selling soup, for God's sakes. I mean, but you know what? We had more people. We didn't have to call people. We had them come just to help serve and cook and enjoy all the camaraderie. That's what I'm trying to do. I want people saying, hey, I want to do this. I want to do this. You know, and um, that's my deal. I will spend a lot of times during the elections every day, as many long as I need. I was at the hall last night getting everything ready till 10 o'clock. I mean, it's not a big deal. My time is my time. I've got people that work for me. I can spend now during the regular time, like I said, on social media and all that's where I'll be. Um, but during the elections, I'm full force because we're going to get more and more registered Republicans because the Democrats are coming in. Our kids are moving away. Their kids are moving here. And we need to start getting out there because we're fixing to get a lot more Democrats coming into these counties. Okay. Same question for Deborah. How much time do you plan to devote to the duties of county chair? And what obligations do you have that might affect your ability to, to perform those duties? Okay. First of all, I am retired. So I have in the past... Um, Four years since I became chairman, I average about 40 hours a week um, taking care of chairman responsibilities. I 
take calls day and night, weekends, whenever. If anybody has a question, I am available. Um, I intend to continue to be accessible and available and responsible and just do everything I can to reach my main goal of maintaining election integrity in Fayette County and ensuring the education of the voters here. Okay, Michael, same question. How much time do you plan to, to devote to the duties? All right, oh, yeah, we got yeah. that. We already got that one. I'll right, check with Kimberly. How are we doing? Keep going? Okay. All right, next question. Uh, we'll start with Deborah. What are your three most important principles that you would apply here? Repeat the question. What are your three most important personal principles that you would apply here? All right. Personal responsibility and accountability. Um, again, if, if I tell you I'm going to do something, it gets done to the best of my ability. Um, I don't make excuses. I'm not perfect. But if I make a mistake, I will own it. And I won't try and make an excuse or blame anybody else for it. Um, that's just the way I am. Uh, commitment and thoroughness, again, if I make a commitment to do a job just as I accepted the position as county chair, I feel that I have performed my duties to the, the utmost best of my abilities. Um, Honesty, some people say I'm a little too honest. Um, I will say what I think. Uh, it may not be what you want to hear at the time, but I'm going to give you an honest answer. And again, I'm not going to make excuses for that answer. I'm just going to be honest with you. Okay, Michael, what are your three most important personal principles you would apply here? Um, Honesty is one. And she said, if I'm wrong, I'm admitted. And that's just something. There's a lot of times I've goofed up, and I look at it and say I screwed up. Um, I'm a hard worker. I love, when I get into something, I love it. Um, one thing I'm going to disagree with her, she said, if you ask me, I'm going to tell you, and sometimes I'm too honest. Well, if somebody asks you a question, you can't insult them. I'm sorry. But sometimes a little too honest, you can tell them in a nice way. And I'm a very firm believer in that. And also, sometimes people don't ask you, maybe you don't need to give them your opinion. Sometimes you just need to bite your tongue. My job, now somebody's screwing up, you need to explain to them how, why. You don't degrade them until it gets to the point you got to say, okay, walk away. My goal coming in is to build people up. There's an old, an old man in 1990 when I was coming in, to, when I was in Austin, Texas, a gentleman named Ed Mullen told me, he said, Michael, people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. And that still holds true with me. You give people a purpose, you train them, you work with them, and let them train you on things that you don't know enough about. Um, I'm a very honest person, and like Deborah, sometimes too blunt. But it's sometimes we had a situation yesterday at the hall. Somebody made a really bad mistake. Do you sit there and tell them there's this, that? No, you explain to them what happened was wrong. And you don't need to sometimes be so blunt and hurt somebody in order to get your opinion across. Thank you. Okay. Last question in this phase. Uh, Michael, start with you. What is your motivation for seeking this position? My motivation for seeking this position is I know it's coming, and it's a tidal wave of Democrats into this county. Um, I'm blessed enough. I've got two dads. My dad was crazy after Vietnam. My mom had to leave me. He was very violent. Dan Schlawak got me when I was six years old, never called me stepson, treated me as his own. 
At 18 years old, he adopted me. I was blessed enough 20 years ago. My dad found a freedom in his head to forgive himself for what he had did, and we're best friends. So I've got two dads. My dad wanted to retire. He come down to his county. I showed him his beautiful county, my biological father. We got home. He looked at me dead in the eye, and he said, there's one problem, son. I thought you said this county's conservative. It was during the um, governor's election. I said, Dad, it is most conservative place there is. He said, then why is there nothing but black Beto signs? People don't see the pride. They can't see our pride. We need red signs everywhere out there. We got to turn this county red again, not just in voting, but also in signage. It's almost like people are ashamed to be Republican or the signs ain't there. You can get the money for the signs, but you've got to get them out there. My father from Houston, Texas, who knew nothing, said, why is it nothing but Beto signs? My wife, we drove to a little place. She said, I think Beto's going to win. Where are the signs? That's part of your duties as Republican chairman is to get them out there and get the people involved. Get your sign stickers out there and show people we are proud of being Republicans in this county because I swear to gosh, they're coming. Our young people are moving away. Theirs are moving in, and it's going to turn Democrat in 10 years here if we ain't careful. Okay. Same question for Deborah. What was your motivation for seeking this position? Initially, as I stated, I didn't really want it. But I accepted the challenge of doing it. And once I accepted the challenge, I followed through on, on what I'm, I committed to do. And um, at this point, I just want to make sure that Fayette County continues with the election integrity that, that we've experienced since I've been chair, since David was chair, um, open, fair, informed decisions is what I want to see people of Fayette County to be able to be educated on the issues, on the candidates. And I know like Michael said, the, the Dems are targeting Texas. We know that. And we just have to work harder and harder to ensure that we protect our values and our principals here in Fayette County. That's it. Okay, at this time, uh, if I'd have some help gathering any questions from the audience. Okay, we've got uh, consolidated kind of three good questions here that don't repeat what we've already done. And uh, we'll start with Deborah. What are your thoughts on voter turnout, particularly in the primaries? My hope is that we can do a better job of, again, educating the voters uh, so where they're confident in coming out and making a decision. I think a lot of people don't come to the primary just because they don't take the time to learn the candidates or learn the issues. Uh, same with the, the propositions, the, the amendments. You know, they don't take the time to understand the meaning of those and so they just don't show up. Uh, last fall before the November proposition uh, uh, amendment election, we held a meeting and had a group conversation about all 14 of the amendments. Uh, we had subject matter experts there to answer questions. We took questions from the audience and had group discussions about them so that everybody attending that meeting was confident in their decision. Okay, same question for Michael. What are your thoughts on voter turnout, particularly in primaries? 
Oh, voter turnout in primaries? Um, honestly, I wouldn't have meetings about it. I'd have registration parties. Get Do something at lunch, cook free hamburgers. If you're not a registered voter, come register and have a Republican Party sponsored. I mean, it's not that expensive to fry some cheeseburgers. But you've got to motivate people. You can't just have a meeting and go, okay, come look, cause let's talk about it. They don't care. They don't. They want something to come to where they can have camaraderie and, and membership. So simply what I'd do is I'd have several little voter registration groups organized and go out on some weekends on Saturday. And that's what I'd do because you've got to get them registered to get them to the poll. And if they're the young people, us, we don't care. We're going to vote either way. You've got to get the young people excited about it. That's all. Okay, we'll start back with Michael on this one. As county chair, would you work to recruit Republican candidates for office? Would I work to recruit them? Yes. I'd ask them. There's, that's a broad question. Am I going to recruit somebody that I think would only fill those shoes? No, um, because I think I've, it has happened in the past. I'm not saying in this county, but it has. You've had people, chairmen, recruit friends so they have their friends in those offices. So I would say they're open for position, but I would not personally recruit people. No way. Okay, Deborah, your thoughts on that? As a county chair, would you work to recruit Republican candidates for office? I don't think it's the county chair's job to necessarily recruit candidates, but to maybe actively seek out the true conservatives and making, you know, the I would like to see true conservatives in office, not just somebody who runs on the Republican ballot simply because they know that's where the votes are. Um, I know I can't refuse to accept a ballot application from somebody that I feel is not really honestly a Republican, but I would encourage others that I feel are following the true conservative values that we see here in Fayette County to fill the positions um, throughout the county. Okay, uh, last question here, starting with Deborah. A lot of Americans feel our country is losing its way. What do you think the number one issue is for Republicans in Fayette County and how would you work to address it? That's a tough one. Um, one of the things that scares me, and I know it scares a lot of people, is the illegal immigration and how it affects the costs that our county has to endure to educate those illegals or, you know, the, the human trafficking, the, the, the drug trafficking that goes on. It may not hit us in the face every day, but it's out there. And... It's all tied around illegal immigration and the fact that the Democrats have just opened the doors and literally you know, given a free ride to all the illegals. Okay, same question for Mike. A lot of Americans feel our country is losing its way. What do you think is the number one issue for Republicans in Fayette County and how would you work to address it? Hmm, two words, Joe Biden. Everything the federal government does is sent in our way and it affects us. That's his, him and his administration. I mean, that's a simple answer. Us in Fayette County can take care of each other. We got commissioners, we got sheriffs, we got everybody for that. 
as far as the illegals go, the sheriffs do all they can until they turn them over to U.S. Border Patrol Customs and they just release them. So we've done all we can. But it's what the administration is sending down at state and goes on to county level that we're having to deal with as far as rules, regulations, and what we can have to tolerate. So that's the simple answer right there. It's, it all starts at the top. Poop runs downhill, and we're getting a crap. So that's all. Okay, that brings us into two minutes for closing remarks. And um, Michael, go you go first. Two minutes. Okay. Um, as I said before, I'm not a politician. Um, there's some things I've heard tonight. Um, she said when it comes on the question of recruiting candidates, she wouldn't, but she don't know if they're a true conservative or not, anything like that. I had to register through her. Her first question was, what are your qualifications? Why are you doing this? I wasn't there for a job interview. Y'all are the ones that give me a job, not her. That really put me off. Um, it's not even, the thought doesn't even cross my mind. I'll give you a perfect example right now. Um, Quentin Ritchie is my neighbor's boyfriend. He's one of my best friends. William Bernstein, I consider a friend, but I've known them all my life. If both of them come up and say, I want to run for county rep, I'm happy to do both of them because it's none of my darn business how the voters vote. That's up to them. That's out to find out if it's a wolf in sheep's clothing. That's not my decision. I think we can build this party. I think we, like I said, my, I know it's not a prediction. Our kids are leaving, theirs are coming in. You've got a, young, a lot of young 24, 25 year old tech executives who've got degrees from Berkeley or wherever. It's just as close for them to drive from LaGrange to Austin it is for them to drive five miles in San Francisco. So to them an hour and a half drive into downtown is not very long and they can live here and spend $750,000 for what they spent on four or 500 square feet in San Francisco. It's coming. <laughs> So what we have to do is get our young people involved. We can't sit there and say, oh, we're going to have a meeting. We're going to have to work. No, we've got to get out there and get them. They're not coming to us. They're not going to come to a meeting. Today's a beautiful day. We've got 75 people here. That's a pretty good turnout. We can get a lot more. Like I said, get it going. Get the fundraisers going. I think we can grow this party. We have to grow this party. But we've got to take a different approach. That train's been traveling on the same track. It needs to go north, not south. Let's build it up. Thank you. Okay, Deborah, two minutes, closing remarks. Okay, I know I've said this several times, but again, my, my most important focus has to be on the integrity of the election process, uh, keeping experienced workers at working the polls, uh, making sure that I'm available as county chair to accept the ballot application and the, fee, and the fees that are required when somebody's uh, filing for a race, uh, taking care of all of the reporting with the Secretary of State, the cost estimates, the final cost reports, all of those things that, that have to take place. But as I've also said, I'm very open to any help or suggestions that are come my way. Um, I'd like to see Mr. Schlaubach as my fundraiser chair. That would be great. I mean, apparently he's pretty good at what he does. So my question is, where has he been for the last 15 years? If he was so concerned about, you know, getting the party growing and the youth, why didn't he come to the party and say, hey, I've got some great ideas. I'd like to help you. And same with getting out the signs. You know, I can't do everything. If you're so concerned about getting signs out there, well, come to me. Say, I'm volunteering. Where do you need signs? Um, so again, 
the, the chair can't do everything, but the chair should focus on the chair responsibilities, running the elections, but seeking help from the membership and the community to help grow the party. And I am open to that. Okay, that concludes our uh, candidate forum today. I'd like to thank the candidates, all the helpers, everybody for participating.